be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. It's water. I'm saying water because it said water like eight times. So it's water. That's what the whole thing is, water. Hello and welcome to the That's Why They Were Quality podcast, where we review, discuss and analyse all things that are proper quality. My name is Luis Sanchez and, uh, you know, still five years, still not being laid, uh, it goes on. And uh, and Mr Paddy Stanton I'm joined with. Back as always, here to bring uh, the good names to Bruce Lee's name. There have been few archetypes in film history who've defined an entire genre of films and Bruce Lee is someone who has done that and more. He's in fact an archetype of an entire way of life and an, an entire, you could say, an archetype of the martial arts, really. Bruce Lee has come to represent what the martial arts are to a lot of people around the world and what martial arts films are to a lot of people around the world. And his story is one that includes uh, tragedy, triumph, and a lot of a lot of cheating. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and we continue this journey right now, just after the uh, release of The Fist of Fury, which we talked about in the last episode. And we're going to talk about the reception of that film in more detail. Uh, but you said, said, mentioned something um, interesting to me in the week. Uh, we talked about a few interesting things, talked a bit about porn, and then also about <laughs> like Bruce Lee's influence on anime as well. That's right, yeah. We talked about uh, MMA, the one and only. I've been going back to here um, fairly recently. but yeah, She's very good. Yeah, she's decent actually. But yeah, just while um, we've been doing this, you know, you you sort of you read up more because you, you find out more. It's what's interesting about doing the podcast as well is like it's not like we just stop reading about him. Mm. We've uh, continued to learn things about him, sort of on the job if you like. And yeah, so I mean, you mentioned some of his influences in the past, like McGregor. You put Con McGregor in one of the sound bites there. Another yeah. one was uh, was was John Jones. Actually, mm. he was a massive inspiration. Apparently, um, the oblique kick to the knee. Um, if you notice, John Jones uses that a lot, and apparently, obviously, that was popularized by Bruce Lee. And then just reading that made me realize, actually, yeah, you you can tell. And then there's a lot of other UFC fighters. You got Manny Pacquiao, um, who compared his his fighting style to to Bruce Lee as well somehow. So there we go, influence crossing over there. Mm. Um, and yeah, you've also got Mike Tyson. Who said everyone wanted to be Bruce Lee in the 90s? So there's direct quote from from Mike Tyson as well. So um, that poses a question, Lou. If you um just get beat up for say a million, who would you rather get beat up by? Would it be Mike Tyson or Bruce Lee? That's uh, a very interesting one. That I would say. Oh my goodness. Um. So the thing is this: if it was Mike Tyson, I know he's going to punch me in the face, mm. and my face doesn't look very good to begin with, so it'd be much damage there. But with it was Bruce Lee, he could he could injure me in a number of ways. Like he might he might he might do the eye poke, then the kick in the stomach. He might like I I prefer Mike Tyson because I know what I'm in for. Bruce Lee, I, I don't know what's coming. He could you know because 
his philosophy is any way to win a fight, he could bite me, he could, you know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so Mike Tyson, mm. what about yourself? No, I was thinking the same because I could get black eye and lumps for days and, you know, that's fine. They'll recover, they'll heal. But, like, joint manipulation and joint pain, that's long-lasting. That, that she doesn't, you don't recover from that, do you? So I think I might agree with you. I mean, if it was up to me, I wouldn't get punched by any of them. I don't know about you. No, yeah, I, I just, you know, yeah, I'd just say, oh, I'm sorry for whatever I did and uh, I'll get out of your house, you know. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry for sleeping with your, your daughter. Apologise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking it was just just a misunderstanding, maybe over like uh, I don't know. Maybe he's a he's a fan of he's a fan of Blur, and I'm like, oh, prefer Oasis, uh, mm. and and then it, it kicks off. But to be honest yeah. with you, I might I might take Blur myself actually. So yeah, the I'll old age questioning, and yeah, like question. you said with the manga and the anime franchises, uh, mm. Fist of the North Star and Dragon Ball, which would then morph into Dragon Ball Z, which is what probably the most famous mainstream anime that there's ever been. They yeah. were inspired by Enter the Dragon. And mm. also with hot Bollywood films, Bollywood Masala films, apparently after the success of Enter the Dragon in India, they released a film called Diwar. And then later, um, Bollywood films incorporated fight scenes inspired by the 70s Hong Kong martial arts films into the 90s. So there we go, just... Um, so much inspiration and influence and the Street Fighter video game franchise as well. That was another one that was inspired by Enter the Dragon. Uh, the gameplay was centered around international f- the fighting tournaments and each character had a unique combo of ethnicity, nationality and fighting style. And that was the first game to do that again. Uh, influenced by Enter the Dragon. Uh, and then mm. we've mentioned before with UFC game as well, he, he ended up being a playable character in that as, as well. And apparently, uh, musicians such as Steve Aoki, of Swedish house map somehow, and rapper LL Cool J was also inspirations um, inspired by Bruce Lee. It's a bit weird, isn't it, when you see musicians and rappers inspired by Bruce Lee? Because obviously we're all inspired by him to a degree, but it's just like, I don't think LL Cool J or Tony Hawk could would roundhouse your head off. But fair play. They've roundhoused my head off. I mean, I'm I, I'm not really uh, very tough, but no, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, other pe- other musicians like um, I think Taboo from Black Eyed Peas. He stated like Bruce Lee's an influence, and the whole um Northern Soul like dance genre, that sort of bouncing on your feet, that kind of dance style. I've heard like in documentaries that was taken from Bruce Lee as well, uh, but I, I never knew about that, all the Bollywood stuff and all of that. I mean, it's. Yeah, he continues. I continue to learn new ways that he's influenced the world all the time, and it's it's madness. Yeah, just reiterates the legacy, doesn't it? And then the the legacy will continue. The story, as the story continues and evolves with it, with what we'll discuss as his next film in Way of the Dragon. Definitely, yeah. And and uh, you talk just to mention the game, just mention his impact on games. I mean, not only has he inspired, you know, in in terms of the format of games and in terms of um, different characters' characteristics, but there has actually been several characters of different games who have actually been b- based on Bruce Lee. Some that are like pretty much almost like in base, basically Bruce Lee and everything but name. Probably the most famous is a guy is uh, Forrest Law, the character from Tekken. Yeah, if you Google it, you'll just you'll find loads. Um, Mortal Kombat. Um, mm. Just yeah, yeah. It's, it, it goes on really. It's, it's, it's a, there's a new mob combat film coming out soon actually as well and the trailer actually looks half decent somehow and you know you said about mm. games and um, different characters and would you say that he also influenced the one Hunter Hearst Helmsley 
Hey, the old game. Mm. Yeah, I mean... He played he, that game, eh? Hey, I mean, yeah, he would always go over, to be fair, like, like Triple H. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very uh, very political, a pair of them, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee continues to have an influence on many genres and many areas of life. And one of his biggest films, for people in China, in Hong Kong, uh, you could this is you could say maybe that that was his biggest film because it was definitely his most patriotic was Fist of Fury. In the last episode, we we talked about what happened just after it ended its reception, but we'll we'll go into that in more detail here. So while Bruce Lee was filming Fist of Fury, he was friends with the stuntmen on set and he was hostile to the bosses. Um, he didn't really like to be treated different from anyone else and given special treatment. So he formed a kind of gang of the stuntmen who who would act as his security when he went out in public because, you know, he was probably the most famous man in Hong Kong at the time. And we only get more famous after this film came out. And uh, what Bruce would do is he would pay the stuntmen's medical bills because, you know, as as I've previously mentioned, they did work strong style quite a bit at a time. And and Bruce, you know, inadvertently would injure the stuntmen. So he would pay their medical bills, which is nice. The and, OG click. Yeah, yeah. He's forming a click with his stuntmen. So, I mean, very in, in some ways, he's not like Triple H. He's not. He was sort of the opposite of Triple H. He was like not sucking up to his bosses and he was like you know friends with the people who on the hierarchy of showbiz you could say are below him and mm. that was sort of the opposite way to the way things were done in the film industry at the time and probably now you know you're meant to bow down to the people above you and the people below you you you, you know you don't really have you don't have to treat with respect where bruce lee was was the opposite he went out of his way with the the stuntmen and his bosses he, he didn't get didn't get on mm. with at all if you were that famous, would you do? Would you would you have that mindset, or and would you have like a security team surrounding you like that? Do you think? Oh, that's a very interesting one. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Um, I don't really know if anyone would really want to challenge me or attack me. Really, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, it's I, not like you'll have anything expensive on. You wouldn't have like a nice looking watch. Like none of your clothing would look any good at all. So there'd probably be no point. No, exactly. People would probably like be be actually going away from me. I mean, even before lockdown, people kept two meters away from me. So <laughs> even before the coronavirus, I don't think I'd have that problem. Mm. Um, I I think I'd be. The, I I hope I wouldn't treat people below me as, and I don't think I do. I mean, there is no one below me anyway, so that's that's handy. But uh, but I I don't think I'd um I'd I think I probably would suck up to my bosses. Probably that's probably what would happen. Yeah. What about you yourself? Wonder- I don't know if I'd ever want to be that famous where I need a security guard or like a team of security guards to to follow me around. No, you know? I wouldn't want to be. No, no, no. Seems like a lot of effort, doesn't it? It does. It does. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Bruce Lee, he would be on the side of the stuntmen. He would, you know, compensate them. He, well, he would pay their medical bills when the studio wouldn't compensate them. He'd also try and secure higher salaries for them as well. And after filming ended, he still socialised with the stuntmen. And there's this great story of how one day, I believe he was walking through Hong Kong on the streets of Xinjiao-Chu. I'm pronouncing that terribly wrong, but <laughs> some somewhere in Hong Kong. I don't know. We need uh, to get a little tally chart going. Strike that. Strike that. That one's a strike. I need. I need. We need to have like um like uh, an all like uh what do you call it like someone a generator. To do, 
well like someone to do, do like translation like yeah. every time like, i have a try like a word like a chinese word someone just goes what lewis meant to say was there's <laughs> something like that uh but yeah one day bruce lee walking down in one of the streets in hong kong and uh he saw one of the stuntmen who worked with him on fist of fury who who now we know as jackie chan and jackie chan said he was going bowling so bruce asked oh you know can i come bowling with you and jackie was like yeah go on mate <laughs> and uh Obviously, that's how they just how, that's how the, the talk went down completely uh, Oh yeah, that's definitely yeah. definitely how they how they went down. Yeah, bowling, mate. I'll, I'll I'll strike you out, mate. I'll fucking strike you out. Let's let's go. Let's let's get go the old bowls down. Yeah, let's go down to the old ten pin bowling. You know, the old ten down the old ten pin, mate. Get 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 in there before the old happy hour closes. First rounds on you, Jackie. Yeah, go on then. All right, Bruce. Yeah. So they went down to the old bowling, and uh, Bruce saw that Jackie was getting strike after strike. And uh, I'm, I'm, I presume Jackie said to him, "Look, Bruce, like not all things are like water, mate. You, 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 <laughs> the water thing don't work with bowling, mate. Sometimes bowling's just bowling." And <laughs> and and Bruce, yeah, saw Jackie was was beating him and getting strike after strike. So Bruce said he had to leave and meet someone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the uh, perfectionist in him, can't take losing. That's, I, oh, I just love that story. And I love the way Jackie Chan told it, and I, and I wish I never googled Jackie Chan because he, he's yeah. Uh, uh, why did he have to turn out to be a bit dodgy uh, as well? Turned out to be a wrong one after your video on YouTube. Cheap plug, by the way. Go watch the top eleven people at home aren't wrongins. Well, Jackie Chan was on there. Turns out, ah oh, man, well he's a bit of a wrongin. Bit of a wrongin. I I, uh, I can't like it was like the first. As soon as I like about a day after I, I published it, <laughs> day after. yeah, day after, like I, in the chat, someone said, "Oh yeah, no, Jackie Chan is a wrong," and I was like, "Oh, for goodness sake!" And I googled it, and, it, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, oh why does, why? does him being bowling excuse it or not?" Uh, well, I mean, that takes some some away. Maybe he cheated at the bowling. Maybe maybe, maybe there was another reason Bruce Lee left. Maybe he's like, oh, Jack, Jackie, mate. Maybe there's more to this story. Who knows? Mm. He had like a special ball that was a. Uh... Yeah, somehow there's some dynamics to that ball that uh, that made them beat Bruce. Bruce hated him to this day because of it. Could be, could be. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, on on the 21st of March, Bruce, Linda, and Raymond Chow went out for a cele- celebratory dinner at Hugo's restaurant at the Regency Hyatt Hotel. And um, that's and when they were leaving, they bumped into a 25 year old taiwanese actor who was recently divorced and she went by the name betty ting pei and that's a name um which hopefully i've pronounced right but even if i didn't uh that's that name is going to come up a lot in in the future and uh, apparently there was a spark between those two and needless to say they started having an affair oh god what, what what's that now number three isn't it fucking hell that we know that, of that exactly that we know of that we know of so Bruce Lee getting about there, getting about. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Betty White. That would be a very odd pair of Bruce Lee and Betty White, wouldn't it? Oh, oh. I mean, maybe may the that 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 the the athletic intercourse is what put the wrinkles on on Betty White. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you love Betty, no? Don't lie. If she made one, you would watch it and you'd love it. I'll have a look at some young Betty. Betty. Uh, <laughs> you like Gil? Do you like Gilfs? Gilfborns? You know, you're a fan. Um... Not, not really, but I mean, it depends. If you, if what's her name, Elizabeth Hurley, if she's a grandmother, because she looks incredible still. 
Um, so it depends, but Betty White, nah, nah, even when she was younger, she didn't seem that. Oh, no, when she was younger, I would have, yeah, I would have, yeah, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, five years. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, maybe Betty Ford, maybe that's why she had to go into rehab. <laughs> she was uh, Jesus. She couldn't couldn't you know couldn't get anyone to to perform like Bruce did, uh. But but yeah. So the next day, Fish the Fury premiered in Queen's Theatre, and when it got to the bits where Bruce said the Chinese are not sick men of Asia, the crowd stood up in unison and howled in approval. Austin uh, Pop. Austin Pop. Austin Pop. It was like an Austin and rock pop combined. It was madness. But the thing is, maybe when they were saying the Chinese people are sick men of Asia, maybe like they misunderstood it and they were trying to say, oh, no, you're, you're really sick guys. Maybe it was a compliment and they just, just, they just didn't get it right. So, yeah, you know, yeah. They gave that word meaning a long time ago, maybe. Yeah, maybe they were just saying, mate, oh, you Chinese people, mate, you sick guys, mate. You're so sick. You're sick guys of Asia. It's like, what What do you say to me? Maybe, maybe it was a misunderstanding. Probably not, but maybe, maybe. So Nancy Kwan said in one screening the audience tore the seats out from the that where they were sitting in the cinema and they threw them around in excitement it was pretty much the equivalent of a this is awesome chant back in the day it absolutely dominated this movie in hong kong if only uh, the fight forever chance were around back then that would really have fit wouldn't it <laughs> exactly exactly this movie dominated the Hong Kong box office, and in 13 days it beat the big boss's box office record. Within a month, it grossed 4.3 million Hong Kong dollars. It also swept through Asia, and it was also successful in the Philippines, and it ran non-stop for six months, and the government was actually pressured into limiting the imports of foreign films to protect the local movie industry. In Singapore, fans filled the street outside cinemas, causing traffic jams, causing them to delay the release for a week so they could arrange to so they could make arrangements to control the crowd. Scalpers were selling one dollar tickets for fifteen dollars when they would actually get to show it. And Fucking when it hell. was scalpers, man, can't yeah. stand them bastards. Even back then, they were they were at it at their antics. Fuck scalpers yeah. and fuck Ticketmaster. In, in inflating the in inflating the price by 15 15 i mean that's just mental absolute men- madness and uh and yeah when it was released in japan on the 20th of july 1974 uh, it was even successful there even though the film was basically like a, a, a basically an anti-japanese anti um yeah it was pretty much an anti-japanese film it was a chinese yeah. nationalistic film and it was still successful in japan it's absolutely madness yeah, that is proper mad. I was just wondering about why it was so successful in, say, like, Philippines as well, of all places. And do you think it's just because those countries were so poor and they were in so much poverty and, like, they watched this and they were just awestruck by, you know, this man who comes from background, like, the similar, probably, you know, similar. And um, yet they can attach themselves to that and, like, it was a real-life hero to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, China and uh, the Philippines, very different cultures, 
but they are same region of the world it's a bit like how andy murray when he won wimbledon he's scottish he's not english but we ain't we, we ain't got any we ain't got any english tennis players doing anything so yeah fuck it he's british come <laughs> on let's all cheer him we identify with him yeah go on mate you always forget that don't you i think everyone <laughs> thinks he's english like, i know i do i'm not really into tennis so it's a bit like what's his name now drew mcintyre i mean people i mean wrestling isn't really uh isn't what it once was in terms of popularity but he's he's the closest we're probably going to get to a british champion for, for mm. i mean I, I don't know if we'll ever get an english champion so yeah fuck it drew mcintyre's british yeah <laughs> go on mate you you uh yeah you drop that title to the miz um, and uh, um, ironically, though, even though there was a very high anti-Japanese sentiment in this film, the nunchucks were actually a weapon from Japan, uh, from Okinawa. And apparently oh. Bruce... What's that, sir? I was just saying, wow, the irony. The irony, yeah. And, and apparently Bruce's acting style, called Chambra, was also Japanese. And the high kicks were from korean taekwondo so even though it was very much like a a pro chinese hong kong sentiment he was borrowing stuff from other cultures as well Uh, which is yeah it's interesting now yeah it's kind of like uh wcw in the 90s and all the cruiserweights come over and you're seeing all this for the first time and you're blending different styles into a just you know strong style british strong style and all that's quite similar definitely yeah definitely yeah um so after Fist of Fury, Bruce's two-film contract with Golden Harvest was over. So Bruce formed a new satellite company with Raymond Chow on the 1st of December 1971. And the company was called Concord Productions after the Roman goddess of harmony, Concordia. The symbol was a red and gold yin and yang symbol, which Bruce had used for his Jeet Kune Do studio in L.A. And Bruce was in charge of the creative side of the company and Raymond was in charge of the business. So that, that's good. You know, you know, Bruce getting more into the uh, getting in charge of stuff, you know. Yeah, that's, I thought you good. were just you were going to say Bruce is just a fan of cruisers. <laughs> just yeah exactly he's just a fan of the plane Mm, and the plane yeah exactly yeah so this kind of deal raymond chow also had with jimmy wang Yu and lo Wei in order to get them to come from shaw brothers over to golden harvest however this deal with bruce was the first one to be made public bruce had a new office at golden harvest's offices which was a former costume and set design closet that was maybe 130 square feet. Um, so I don't know how big that is, but when you say closet, I imagine it's not that big. Bruce bunged a desk in there, some chairs and a set of Olympic barbells in there. He also had a pair of glasses he had to repair with sticky tape when he lived in America. And, you know, he wasn't making much money and couldn't afford to replace them. And he had them. Respect Mm. to Bruce there, by the way. It's uh, taking his weights wherever, whenever. I wish I could do that. You know, get on the bus, just take some dumbbells, that kill. And, you know, I'd love that. But no, we we just get locked up for anymore. It's a bit like Jimi Hendrix. He took his guitar everywhere. Bruce, he took his weights everywhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, I, but, but like remember when we was in uni and the geezers moved in and they had their weights all everywhere i hope it wasn't that what kind of situation <laughs> that's annoying as fuck that was annoying as shit but i suppose yeah. if he was just in in the office then uh 
Yeah, you've you got to have your, your space for it. I mean, what, don't you know? Don't be dangerous with it. Don't be leaving out there. There's health and safety purposes to this as well. You yeah. Know? You know, we don't want Louis breaking his neck and, and you know, being in a wheelchair due to a, you know, a five kilogram dumbbell. Nobody uh, wants just, to see that. Just looking at a five kilogram dumbbell it gets me <laughs> hospitalized. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if, like, if this created, like, some kind of, like, comedic situations where. Bruce Lee was, you know, he's having a, a hard workout in his room, in his, you know, in his office, and then people next door were like, "Oh, that geezer must be watching some, uh, some good, some good material there. He must have had a, a subscription to Brazzers, or, you know, him just making all those grunts. Mm. It's actually him working out." I wonder if Bruce was a big fan of porn. I mean, we just we just established that Q-tip, who's actually addicted to porn. So, mm. I wonder if Bruce was. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what seventies porn in Hong Kong was like. <laughs> Sounds <good>. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So Bruce, in addition to the dumbbells, he also had a pair of glasses that he had to repair with sticky tape when he lived in America and didn't have enough money to to replace them or to um or to get them professionally repaired. And it was basically to remind him of his past and remind him of how poor he used to be. And he also had a picture on the wall of two vultures uh with a quote you know like one of them inspiring posters i think and it the quote was patience my ass i'm gonna kill something um so yeah I mean, well i like it you know because in my house it's just thought you know my mum's got a a clean and tidy kitchen is the sign <laughs> of a wasted life love in the air to make lemons, you must make lemonade, you know, and all that bollocks. I, I think <laughs> I might get that uh, that one that Bruce had and just hang it up for a laugh. <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. Uh, and also, in addition to that, he had wallpaper with drawings of hundreds of bare-breasted women of all ethnicities. And that that's the kind of thing I'm going to get on my wall. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Bruce, man, thirsty being, weren't he? he dirty was. dick. Dirty <laughs> dick Lee, that's what they need to call this, man. Yeah, yeah. Bruce, he was very image conscious, something that he might have learned from Steve McQueen. And he seemed to subscribe to the philosophy that to be successful, you have to look successful. So he liked to dress smart. And he also bought a red Mercedes 305 SL convertible. Bruce got an advance from Raymond Chow out of the Concord's future earnings to afford the car. And by this time, Bruce had sold his place in Bel Air and his Porsche and moved to Hong Kong. Raymond Chow secured a loan for Bruce to purchase a 5,700 square foot, two story, 11 foot concrete home in a gated community, which passed for a palace in the densely packed Hong Kong back in the day. And in 2011, it was put on the market for 23 million us dollars so Jeez. bruce lee yeah moving up in the world yeah such a short span of time as well i was feel like even 10 years ago maybe less he was living in that little box room when he first moved to america and now i'm gonna have to google this house though and check check a picture of it because yeah. uh, my mum was telling me actually yesterday she said that the house uh you looked in the godfather the big massive mm. mansion that recently got sold or got put on the market for like 90 million who the fuck's buying a house for 90 million? That's madness. I, th- I think Marlon Brando lived there for for a while, apparently. If you, if you lived in that house, so I imagine like if you was like, I don't know, the wife of or the or the, or the husband, whoever, whoever bought it, you'd be like, you'd be like, oh yeah, this is cool. This house is great. 
then a week mm. later you must just your head just must be done in because every time he walks every time you walk into his office he's he's just going you come to me on the day of my daughter he's just quoting the film constantly and he must be like oh, for fuck's sake come <laughs> not on. this again come on humphrey what the fuck are you doing mate yeah 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 interesting that um but yeah bruce lee moving up in the world moving up in the world bruce and linda enrolled their two-year-olds two-year-olds daughter sharon in a high-end nursery and their six-year-old son brandon in his old school lasalle uh, bruce was worried that they wouldn't let his son in the school so he asked raymond chow to come with him and they welcomed bruce back with open arms and they were very welcoming obviously bruce big celebrity now and uh, brandon like bruce he would also get into trouble get get in fights and uh, bruce he, he seemed to be proud of this and uh, and linda she she wasn't she was a bit perturbed by this by this reaction she was a bit oh that's a bit mm. strange but yeah he's definitely a scouser then because that's the sort of thing <laughs> that was uh, that was encouraged uh, when i was growing up too you know when the, the, my estate trust me yeah, exactly. Typical uh, South London behaviour, because he was a <laughs> South Londoner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Bruce invited his mother-in-law to visit them in Hong Kong. And when he was in Hong Kong, Bruce was mobbed in the streets. And when they would go places, they'd be given VIP treatment. And uh, Linda's mother, she saw this and she was very proud of Bruce. So it's all coming together for Bruce, you know, massive house, you know, nice car. And you've won over the mother-in-law. I mean, it's it's all coming together nicely. That's the most important thing, isn't it, eh? Is, Win over exactly. the mother-in-law. We know the... How old was he, was he at this point? In? About, he's only what, 25, 26? Uh, I, think, I think he was 31 when he died. Okay. So he would, yeah, right. around about that age. I'd say Still low. Late 20s, man. He's late 20s, smash, yeah. smashing life, isn't he? Oh, definitely, yeah. They didn't he's... half grow up older back then, man, didn't they? Like, and just no. make it... Um, younger sorry because um yeah i was watching uh judas and the messiah i watched that mm. last night and it's about fred hampton and the black panthers and he'd done all this and he was only 21 it's just insane now we're still at home living with our families at uh, you know not going into our 30s quite sad yeah still with a five-year dry spell yeah. true exactly it, I, t- I, I tell you one, one, one of that that made me feel like really like really like oh shit i've achieved nothing is when uh, i was listening to this beatles podcast and apparently when george harrison was making all things must pass he was only in his late 20s like maybe 26 28 so <laughs> by the time he was like pretty much our age he had all the success with the beatles been in the oh, most God. famous group to ever still that will ever probably ever exist and release like one of the, like one of the most successful solo albums as well it's like jesus christ it's so <laughs> weird really. isn't it? yeah it's... anyway back uh, to the podcast anyway yeah back to our our podcast <laughs> 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 like and subscribe to the podcast yeah. to help, yeah. help out help our egos yeah please give us money please give money, us money money me <laughs> money me me want money money me <laughs> exactly on the 10th of april 1972 sterling siliphant also came to hong kong and bruce greeted him with raymond chow nora meow and maria yi uh two people who were also working on also actresses in the fist of fury and he wanted to impress sterling siliphant and when they strolled through the streets, it turned into a parade as people were flocking to Bruce, you know, trying to get next to him, yelling at him, 
so Sterling saw how big of a deal, you know, Bruce was. And uh, while Sterling was there, I believe probably the uh, the purpose of the visit was um, him and Bruce still wanted to revive the project, the Silent Flute. Oh, if only, man. We all want the Silent Flute. Oh, mate. I mean, many, many females, you know, had a bit of Bruce's Silent Flute. Mm. Um, but yeah, sadly, didn't get a film, film of it while he was no. alive. No. no, and you want your silent flute to be stroked. I I want my flute to be blown. Yeah, your what? your flute's been silent for five years. Five years, mate. My 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 flute's got some dust in it. I don't even know if it if you can if it still plays a tune anymore. Oh. Um, <laughs> it needs tuning back up, doesn't it? It does. It needs some dusting off. Needs some clearing. <laughs> needs some clearing out. Um, there was there was bad blood between Bruce and Jimmy Wang Yu, who at the time were the two biggest actors in hong kong and the press played up their rivalry as they were both signed with golden harvest and uh rain or involved with golden harvest um rage raymond chow didn't do anything to stop this rivalry as he saw value in amping it up the the original east coast west coast original biggie two-pack <laughs> rivalry here yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, and apparently, yeah, they both made comments behind each other's backs, and Raymond didn't want them in the same room. We need to see the the Hong Kong version of Beef, the Beef uh, DVDs back in the day documentaries. Oh, imagine a what's beef in in the Hong Kong film industry. Like it'd just be just constantly people just like getting their heads kicked in and stuff. Yeah, it'd be fucking deaths, like the way <laughs> they played them up in the air, uh, the the proper beefs. Yeah. You know, like you like guns and shit. These wouldn't need any weapons. People would be dying left, right, and centre. Hand to hand combat yeah. on golf courses. Yeah. Um. So Jimmy, I'd, I'd pay to see that. I'd pay to see that. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Wang Yu wrote, directed, and starred in the Chinese Boxer, and that was a film which had a very similar storyline to The Fist of Fury, which I might have mentioned before. You know, and and, and the Big Boss, you could say. Uh, you know, Japanese invaders taking i mean it's more similar to the big boss i'd say sort of japanese invaders coming into occupying a town bruce lee having to stand up for the chinese culture and they even featured scenes where this japanese establishment were cheating people in casinos very similar films mm. and i think once and- they seen that there was a format there they they kind of did there was um like a flow to these films wasn't there a format that was quite similar Oh yeah, I mean, as we said before, like the the the, the Hong Kong film industry, it it that they seem to have a focus on fast production. I mean, you know, um, Run Run Shaw, they were producing films like pretty much every week, and Golden Golden Harvest, they probably didn't have the resources to do it, but I imagine they they weren't far behind. So when you're when you're under pressure to release films like that, you probably don't have time for much innovation. So yeah, if they saw a format, they probably went with it, and and not Bruce's fault because he he didn't write the films, you know. Um, but I think uh, Jimmy Wang Yu might have seen it as Bruce riding on his coattails, and Jimmy Wang Yu said the Chinese boxer was my idea. I wrote the script. It was the first kung fu movie. Jimmy Wang Yu said because of it, a lot of different directors copied my ideas and wrote very similar scripts. So therefore. Bruce Lee had the opportunity to come back to Hong Kong to make a successful picture. And what well, I mean, I don't know about if that's true, but there's definitely a case for it because I think the Chinese boxer came out in 1970, a year before mm. the big boss came out. 
So yeah. it's definitely lo- it's a logical. I mean, he, he did see it as well. Bruce Lee did see it, and he said, you know, I can do something better than that. So it definitely did have yeah. some impact on Bruce Lee. Look, you, you don't have to be the, the creator of someone or have the, the idea first to be the best at it. We've, we've discovered this. It's the same with music, you know. The Beatles, you know, were they the first pe- people band to do that type of music? No, but they mm. were the best. You know, they end up being the best. Exactly. That is what it is. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we are the first podcast to ever cover stuff in depth. In a, in, in a, don't 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 Google any other Bruce Lee podcast. We're the first mm. podcast to cover Bruce Lee. So so apart from us, yeah. Apart from exactly. us, yeah. Apart yeah. from us, yeah. Well, we we we'll see we're the first and the best. So we've got that going. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, Raymond Chow, he wanted Bruce to make his next film with low weight. And it would be a film called The Yellow Faced Tiger, where Bruce Lee would play H U O at space Y U A N J I A, who was his deceased master in The Fist of Fury. So uh, maybe sort of a, a kind of spin off in, in some ways. Mm. And uh, Bruce, he had second thoughts about working with Low Wei uh, because they didn't get on. Um, they, they yeah, and making two films with Low Way, I think he had enough of it. And Bruce, uh, partly also might be inspired by Jimmy Wang Yu because Jimmy Wang Yu wrote, directed, starred in his own film. Bruce decided he wanted to write, star, and direct his own film, and he had the working title Enter the Dragon. Boom, and, boom, yeah, fireworks, man, fireworks. Can you feel the heat right now? Yeah, uh, he later changed it though to Way of the Dragon, which is no. still good. Still yeah. good. Way of the Dragon. Um, yeah. I mean, you've you've got to you've got to think, haven't you? I mean, there's there's you know he smoked a lot of weed with the name of these films, right? Mm. I mean, the, 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 there's something going on in his brain there. There's something making it tick. I'm, the way I'm just... it does. I mean, it, it's a very obviously incredible tragedy. Bruce Lee passed away so young, but if he did live. Then imagine I could only imagine that Hollywood would have just kept coming back, going "Return to the Dragon," <laughs> or the the Dragon visits visits yeah. Los Angeles. <laughs> Kong beneath, versus the Dragon. Kong versus the Dragon beneath the way of the Dragon. Beneath the Dragon. Beneath the Dragon. Over the Dragon. Over the Dragon. Beneath the Dragon. <laughs> the yeah, Dragon Beyond, got, like <laughs> the yeah. Dragon Beyond, Blood and Guts. Yeah, you you could just you could just imagine that it would have like you know that yeah. they would have just would come up with all kind of titles. I'm surprised they haven't done it on on a uh, RuPaul's actually a spin off of uh, Enter the Dragon, <laughs> Way of the Dragon, Way of the Drag, oh. Way of the Drag, oh, Way of the Drag, okay. mate. Yeah, and then you're on top of something. Top of yeah. something. So he wanted to use the name uh, Enter the Dragon, but later changed it to Way of the Dragon as he wanted to use the name enter the dragon for his warner brothers picture which uh, we'll we'll get to later uh, so according to low way uh, low way had cancelled his plans to make a film with sammo i think it's sammo huh? sammy hewitt i've written here sammy h-u-i uh, when raymond chow ordered low way onto the yellow face tiger can I just say, I'm so glad that I'm not the one with the script <laughs> reading these names out. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it must be hard work for you right now. 
but it's hard work for the listeners. They're just probably <laughs> there's probably people who, who like know the correct pronunciations, and they're just like. It's like it's like you know like sometimes when Americans pronounce words like aluminium, al- aluminium, yeah. aluminium, yeah. Mm. and you're just like, oh god, is <laughs> just something in you just just like. Oh, well, you actually did it before. I was thinking I, I didn't I was whether to correct you or not, but you went put you said Porsche instead I of did por- instead of Porsche. I was like, oh, is it Porsche? Yeah. Oh, sorry, geezers. See, I'm even getting getting wrong, like the the, the English pronunciations <laughs> or Italian. Becoming, I don't even know. Becoming a yank because of Matthew Polly, nice one, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, d- I don't know if he's American, actually. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, according to Low Way, he he cancelled his plans to be on this film to to make the Yellow Face Tiger with Bruce Lee. Arrangements were made for them to film in Japan. Uh, Raymond then called Low Way to tell him nah bruce mate you don't want to make the movie so uh so bruce and low way they had a meeting where bruce said that he had problems with the script that low way wrote but bruce wasn't really specific so i think it was him just trying to find an excuse basically to get out of it i think maybe he had his mind made up his heart set on directing and writing his own film so low way asked bruce to come back with some with some specific feedback and bruce said he'd have it after three days three days passed and low way didn't hear from bruce so he asked raymond to ask jimmy wang Yu to star in it instead and the newspapers made this into a story of a split between low way and bruce and jimmy wang Yu replacing him so adding more fuel to the rivalry when Bruce read the newspapers, he was furious and he said he wanted to make both films, apparently. And he called Low Way and said that he never officially said that he didn't want to do the project. And Low Way said he'd already cast Jimmy Wang Yu, so they couldn't switch it now. And the conversation descended into Bruce swearing at him and slamming down the phone. Well, I'd hate to be that phone, must have shattered. <laughs> <laughs> and the phone must have went oh gee well, no need for that <laughs> and uh, and yeah bruce lee and low way would never meet face to face again and would uh, avoid each other Damn. um yeah so i was gonna ask is their relationship that it was it seemed to be made worse than it was by the papers and the press and all that but now you just uh, explained that they must have really hated each other in the end yeah yeah i mean it they must have must have i mean even when they were filming um i don't think i don't think they ever really got on well to be honest it, it seems from from reading the the bruce lee uh matthew, the bruce lee alive by by matthew polly um it don't seem like don't seem like they ever got on well but i think yeah they must just got to a point of no return really now you see bruce um bruce lee has a, a rivalry basically the way of the dragon and yellow face tiger are basically like your um they're like uh easy ease solo album going up against dr dre's solo album or um or 100 miles and running uh was that was that the second the, whatever the second nwa album was against um ice yeah. cube's first album it was basically now there's these two products are basically going to compete against each other yeah, and did have you watched the Yellow Face Tiger? I have not. No, no. Right. Yeah. Oh, it was called N N N Word for Life or Geezers for Life. That was the second end of W A album. Oh, I thought I thought that was that was the the film that Low Way was going to ask me to say. That's that's a strange title for a <laughs> Hong Kong martial arts film. Yeah. Do you think they had their um their own slang for for the N Word for each other? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. Uh, 
<laughs> I'd like to speculate. <laughs> I'd like to speculate. As Concord was a satellite company, um, and I believe it was like a subsidiary of Golden Harvest, Raymond Chow was still Bruce's boss. So what Bruce did um, when he wanted, it might have been how he got the opportunity to write and direct, is he had a meeting with Run Run Shaw, which was leaked to the press, and then Raymond uh, caved in on whatever he was arguing with Bruce about, and uh, and and yeah, Bruce got his way. Um, so now, whenever Bruce and Raymond had a disagreement, Bruce would go to Run Run Shaw, basically playing um, the Shaw Brothers studio off, up against Golden Harvest. So Bruce, you know, maybe a bit like Triple H, you know, very yeah. politically minded there, politically <laughs> savvy. Just about to say then, yeah, in this business, <laughs> he's a you know. diamond. The only diamond. Mm. You know, he was thinking that. Fair play to him, though. I mean, he's uh, he's uh, he's clearly took it into his own hands, hasn't he? He knows that he's played the system and he's he's succeeded in doing it. Very perceptive, Bruce Lee. He's learning mm. a lot from all different kind of people, getting yeah. you know the, the the coolness from Steve McQueen and learning the Hollywood system a bit from from Hollywood and from the uh, Hong Kong film industry. He's you know become mm. very savvy to to the industry. No wonder he was so good at having affairs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yes, yeah, so now he's got his way. He can write and direct his own film, The Way of the Dragon, and he wants it to be better than Yellow Face Tiger, which is going to be directed by Lo Wei, who he's probably never liked really, and now he's got a lot of beef with, and Jimmy Wang Yu, who's his main rival, the two biggest stars in Hong Kong, two films coming out and bruce lee wants to have the better film so you know what this reminds me of um when that? kanye and 50 had their head to head and they were gonna yeah. retire and it was just like there was no question who was the biggest star at that moment yeah it is very much like that yeah so, so bruce is the kanye then in this scenario yeah exactly yeah yeah so way of the dragon was bruce's first screenplay that he had written and uh, i suppose if you don't include the work on the silent flute and he was struggling to find the words in chinese because he had left hong kong for so long which i think i mentioned before in a previous episode and the initial concept for the way of the dragon was going to be based on his idea for the warrior a tv series that he wanted to pitch in america um, it was going to be about a 19th century chinese kung fu master who f- who flees the failing Qing dynasty to go to San Francisco to protect immigrants from exploitation. Bruce was concerned over the cost of filming a period piece in America, so he set it in modern day and he also set it in Rome because it was cheaper to film in Rome than in America. Um, and one of the reasons why he wanted to set it abroad was because apparently no Chinese director had ever filmed in the West. So Bruce Lee wanted to make his film in the West. So, you know, it, it'd have an edge on on all the other uh, films in, in Hong Kong cinema and probably specifically the Yellow Faced Tiger. So when he looked for European cities, he settled on Rome because he saw Kirk Douglas battle in Spartacus. And that's basically, I think, where he had the idea to have the final fight between him and uh, a western bad guy in the coliseum 
and so yeah all coming together for him uh, Nora Meow was meant to actually be in the yellow face tiger however Bruce insisted that Raymond pull her from the film so she could be in the way of the dragon and Raymond caved um, Bruce might might have wanted to uh, stick it to to Jimmy and Lo Wei um, but also might have wanted to stick it to, to Nora Meow herself because <laughs> you know that that's i think this is where the rumors of them them mm. having an affair actually came from i can see why man i mean the uh the chemistry that they had on screen you know it was pretty pretty good it was quite realistic as well i would say so it would not surprise me if the the third leg of, of bruce lee was was put to good use exactly exactly two incredibly attractive people <laughs> In in Rome, like you know, one of the most mm. romantic cities in the world. Yeah, I man. mean, I'd be yeah, more surprised the, if they didn't. The pizza's flowing, you know, the uh, the flowers are, are brooming, and, and um, yeah, and the, the third leg is is whipped out for for her to see finally. Oh, mate, when 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 you know when Bruce Lee's leg hits the bad guy, that's Amore, as the famous uh, Dean Martin song goes. It's uh, yeah, it's. It, <laughs> I'd be surprised if they didn't have it off. But in addition to this, another motivation for wanting Nora Meow to be in the film. Also, she's a good actress as well. You know, I should say that. But Bruce also didn't want Nora and Lo Wei to be uh, working on a film together because it might seem like a sequel to The Fist of Fury. So Bruce, very, very uh, aware of public perception. Right. uh, When he's making these decisions, Lo Wei then insisted that Raymond Chow give him an actor that Lee wanted, which was Lee Kwan. When when Bruce found out that Raymond agreed to this, Bruce swore at Raymond in Cantonese and in English. Oof. Um, yeah. Points across there. Imagine if you could swear in more than one language. Oh, mate, mate. I might imagine Bruce, you know, he must have said, oh, you fucking prick. And then and no way, he's just, he seemed un- unaffected. He was like, mm. oh, fuck, he doesn't speak English. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then said it in Cantonese. But, you know. Be good though, because he's he's getting he's ex, you know getting more of his Cantonese back. So in some yeah. ways, you know, some ways Raymond Chow might have, might have went, well, I'm insulted, but at least he's you know getting his vocabulary coming along. Yeah. You know, the script might turn out all right. Yeah, I wonder what geezer is in Cantonese. Yeah, I, 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 have, I, to I, I have to learn. I have to learn. Your yeah. your your aim is to learn the word geezer in as many languages as possible, all the languages. That could be a possible, uh, possible. I could. That could be a possible TikTok, couldn't it? You know, a possible way to jump yeah. on that bandwagon. Yeah. Oh, uh, in, possible in, YouTube video there. Yeah, yeah. Bruce vowed to have his own studio one day, which you know sadly wouldn't happen. Lo Wei lashed out in the Singapore newspaper New Nation, saying Jimmy Wang Yu was the number one star of Hong Kong, not Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee responded by saying his success had nothing to do with Lo Wei, and he would prove it with his next film. So the 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 rivalry is is strong right here. Uh, Bruce Raymond and production manager Chaplin Chang and cinematographer Tadish. Nishimoto arrived in Italy on the 5th of May 1972. They had several free days before the rest of the crew came, so they went shopping and they went sightseeing. Many people say that this was Bruce's happiest time in his life. You know, he's he's getting it to express himself creatively, doing something that no Chinese director had ever done before, and he's he's in Rome, you're just having a nice time, like, you know. 
Sounds sounds lovely. Mm, yeah, probably uh, getting on their Italian weed as well, I imagine, eh? Oh, probably, uh, that, yeah. That import. Yeah, but he was probably some, somewhere in, in a hotel room with, with Cypress Hill. <laughs> you know, just, just you know, they were they were touring Italy or something like that. I mean, having a great time. Oh, imagine yeah. if um, mm. Bruce would have lived some of the uh, the the stories that could have been. Because um, the the 80s wrestling boom, man, like, could you imagine if he got involved with, with, with wrestling? I'm sure he would have. Some of the backstage stories in the hotel rooms, smoking a, a, a blunt with Roddy Piper, maybe. Oh, yeah. Smoke, smoking up with uh, with X-Pac. Mm. Pro- X-Pac, you know, he probably would have had he, he had a better spinning back kick. Yeah, maybe you could, could have taught Bruce the Bronco Buster, although he was probably already using the, the Bronco on a Noro, any. Probably, mate. Probably. Um, oh, not the oh, Bronco Buster from Bruce. That break your break your jaw. <laughs> and when they were in Italy, they had an Italian company providing support for the Chinese crew. Bruce cast Melissa Longo for the role of the prostitute after seeing her in a magazine. And Melissa Longo, if I'm not wrong, she was like a Miss Miss Italia or something like that. Let me get let me have a look. Miss Melissa Longo. Needless yeah. to say incredibly beautiful female say on the wikipedia page uh, melissa longo as italian beauty that was yeah, her that character is, i mean she she played that character well played that <laughs> character well uh she's yeah described as a actress model and writer she entered the miss italy miss italia beauty contest and she won it winning miss cinema and miss lazio titles so yeah the actual beauty queen uh, Bruce cast in this, so giving some name value as well to the, to the film, and yeah, she is she is fit. Yeah. And if, if you haven't seen that film, you, you get to see her uh, get to see her breasts. So uh, I recommend it for that. If nothing else, <laughs> name value is that just it? Eh? Oh, oh, sure, he oh. got something else in exchange, eh? Well, well, I don't want to speculate, but if he did, then oh, I mean, doing well for himself there. Oh. Mm. Nora and uh, an Italian beauty. If if you had to pick between the two, who would you Oof. who would you go for? Um, honestly, I'd probably go with Nora. I'm not gonna lie. Like, this, I'd probably agree. Yeah. Yeah. The the Italian is uh, she she's got really nice eyes, but um, mm-hmm. she's you know she's alright. But Nora is uh, she's very very pretty. Something about her, isn't there? Something about yeah. her. No, it is. She's yeah. She's got that starlet quality. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is that how you cry yourself to sleep like that isn't it that that's how I, that's how it starts yeah and then it gets, it gets a bit more heavier <laughs> as the night the night goes on yeah uh, oh lewis no. lewis wet the bed i wish i wish it was i wish it was urine it's tears mm. blood and a bit of blood as well um from from the penis um so yeah uh the guy who played the businessman was john t ben who was an actual businessman who was friends with Raymond Chow. And he later opened a restaurant called the Bruce Lee Cafe. So Bruce <laughs> Lee having an, an influence on, on the color, culinary world as well. So, <laughs> so. Wonder if uh, what the coffee was like there, if it was up to scratch. Oh, yeah. Man, imagine, imagine like all of the beverages if they were all just water. And it's just like, come on, for fuck's sake. Like, it's a beat like water. Yeah, I know, but don't, like, mm. fucking... Imagine you trying to go coke. into the, the cafe and uh, pronounce all the food there. You'd have a <laughs> chance. I don't, yeah, I'd have no idea what was going on. 
Um, you know, they have the, the green hornet peas. Um, <laughs> and uh, the bacon. Oh, no, I don't, don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway. <laughs> into the dragon sausage. Into party. the dragon sausage party. The, yeah, the, um, uh, the big... Burger? Oh, I don't know. Fuck, I can't think of a pun for, for, for Bruce Lee titles. Yeah, but... ne- never open a restaurant, mate. <laughs> That's no, my advice. No, no I won't. Oh, they wouldn't let me. Unicorn Chan, as well, was cast as one of the henchmen. Uh, the slightly effeminate gangster... Imagine called... Unicorn being your, your name. Canelli <laughs> must have had a hard upbringing. <laughs> exactly. It's like a boy named Sue. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is quite a cool name, though. Unicorn Chan. I mean, oh... So Unicorn Chan was one of the henchmen and, uh, you know, he's friends with Bruce. And and it probably comes across because of all of the side characters, all of the waiters in the film, he probably was the one who actually had a a distinct character. So pays to to be friends with Bruce Lee. So the slightly effeminate gangster in this film, Ho, was played by Paul Wei Ping, who Paul Wei Ping hyphen A.O. I'm just going to call him Paul, and uh, <laughs> he uh, he he was uh, an actual assistant director, and then got into acting and was in loads of films, and he played pretty much the same role really in the Fist of Fury, of course, playing Mister Wu, the uh, the Japanese uh, translator for Mister Suzuki. So he's back again. Most of most of the people in Fist of Fury uh were were in this um most of the same kind of uh yeah a lot of the cast were back so again the bruce lee click mm. very much in effect made um, a good living eh? if you should be a mate of bruce no it's it's about who you know it's about who you know yeah i hope when you make it um lou i can i can live off you i hope that's all right Mate, we're making it together mate we're making it together while filming nora and the crew would have fun when the crew would ask Nora to stand in the street and see if people would try and hit on her. When an Italian producer kept winking at her during filming, Bruce would put his arm around her and pretend to be her boyfriend, and uh, the producer stopped winking. And um, <laughs> Of course <laughs> he did, immediately. Exactly. Uh, just just, just, just rib- ribbing Pete. He would fit right in with the wrestling business. The rib's already going here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there were rumours um, that they were actually having an affair, and this is probably one of the reasons that led to that. And another reason was that there were dozens of photos of them canoodling in Rome. Ooh, apparently, I'm not canoodling. seeing these photos. Canoodling. Ah, that's too far. Too far, mate. If you're going to canoodle, then oh, that's something's going down. Mm, trust me, mm. I'm a fan of. I'm a big fan of the old canoodle, the art of the canoodle. I don't I mean. know if they had a canoodle, mate. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what a canoodle was. What the fucking death? It sounds like a fucking kayak, doesn't it? It does actually. Yeah, Tom would be right down for that. Um, the the dex the definition for a canoodle is kiss and cuddle amorously. Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna pretend I know what amorously means. You sound <laughs> intelligent here. That really mm. does smile. <laughs> nice one, Google. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to look up amorous. Fuck's sake. Is canoodling a real word? <laughs> is amorous a real word? <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, mate, it's it's a long time since I've had my noodle in anything. Also, another thing that probably added to the rumours of the affair was that when Bruce and Nora came down for breakfast one morning, Bruce and Nora looked like they had done something very intimate. Uh, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means their 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 hair was ruffled. Maybe it means they they I don't know were they sweating. I I don't know what that means. Quite vague, but uh, yeah. Maybe uh, Bruce was just taking her through a little PT session, you know, doing a little workout with her. You know, we can we can work out with a woman and not be sexual, you know. That, that that's probably that could have been what it was. Who knows? Apparently, Nora on her radio show actually admitted to having an affair with Bruce. I thought she denied it. Apparently, she admitted to it. So. Oh, okay. um, there's number four then <laughs> yeah that, that's another reason that added to the speculation um <laughs> i mean it, it's highly unlikely that they didn't so i i think they did but uh but who knows i don't think it was ever like properly confirmed but she said it so fuck yeah but they probably did <laughs> yeah i'll go off here with she's you know alive and stuff yeah i mean there's a there's there's a there's a few clues that, that are adding up you know there's there's a yeah so bruce asked chuck norris to play the role of colt however bob wall tagged along uninvited as chuck norris and bob wall were business partners i think they they ran like some dojos together and uh, bruce didn't seem to like bob wall but chuck convinced bruce to give him a role and oh, just, I mean, obviously Bob Wall, he's also a trained fighter like Chuck Norris. And just seeing Bob Wall, I mean, he's just just on screen. You're like, yep, yeah, he's a villain. He's like, he's, I don't know why Bruce wouldn't want to cast him because he's like, you look at him and just go, that is the definition of a movie henchman right there. Uh, mm. Chuck, yeah, just got a, perf- got a good look, hasn't he? Perfect look. I'm surprised he didn't get into wrestling because right there he could have, like he could have been on he could have been given a good position he just looks menacing mm. chuck norris as well i might have previously mentioned on a, on, a, on one of these episodes that he's he is actually a wrestling fan he'd uh, go on to be the special guest referee at survivor series 1994 and on the 25th of january 1999 he would be on uh, in an ep- on an episode of wcw ringside with john claude van damme and bill goldberg um yeah so uh, yeah according to his facebook page he's a wrestling fan and he's helped protect the undertaker at one of his wwf matches uh i'm presuming that was kayfabe you know (laughs) i don't predict (laughs) i gonna say fucking hell take a higher chuck norris as a bodyguard could could be i mean chuck norris you know you know knows how to handle himself i mean yeah that that's your go-to that bruce lee and chuck norris if you're gonna hire someone as your bodyguard they're they're perfect too like let's be honest yeah if someone tried to attack the undertaker they'd, they'd probably just, oh chuck norris can i get the autograph probably deflate the situation as well. <laughs> also uh chuck norris uh was also in episodes of of walker texas ranger with sting and randy savage so yeah Chuck Norris wrestling fan. So, Surprised yeah. never actually done it because he was trained in just about everything else. I mean, he probably would have been a natural in there. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He uh, done yeah. so much, Chuck Norris. I mean, obviously, we're gonna go into the film now and talk about um, Chuck Norris's part in the film, and this was where their relationship would start essentially. But you can't like Chuck Norris is one of them people where you talk about Bruce Lee and um, Chuck Norris. You can't mention. You have to mention him really because they're uh, the you know the they go together, don't they? Really, like they're they're very synonymous together. 
And um, he's, after Bruce died, he, he really took off as well. And he did so much in the 80s. He had loads of films, loads of TV. Now he's just to this day, he's, he's a very, uh, he's iconic, he's legendary, but he's also quite of a much of like an internet meme as well. I wonder if like Bruce would have lived, he would have, would have he, would he have gone in the same direction? Because I know Bruce was into like his comedy and his entertainment aspect was in a similar vein to Chuck, so it'd be interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I think part of the reason Bruce, when, when you talk about Bruce, he's always talked about with like reverence and respect. And I think obviously, you know, because of who he was, but also because he died very young. So he does, he does have this otherworldly type image uh, to him. Um, let's hope no one tries to cancel him in the future. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was apparently it was illegal to film in the Coliseum. So the Chinese crew had to bribe the uh, the right guards working the Coliseum. And um, they actually had to pretend to be guards, apparently, and bring their cameras in in bags. Uh, so they only had a few hours to film the few exterior and establishing shots in the Coliseum and Chuck looking down at Bruce and, uh, and Bruce and Chuck, you know, meeting face to face. They, they only had a brief few hours to film those. So it turned out pretty well, you know, they had a few hours to film those. Mm. Yeah. Especially for the, 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 they did well with the cats getting the cats to act in the way it did. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's probably why they actually went to Rome because the, the cat, you know, they, they probably needed to be there for, for that geezer. Um, yeah, he must have had a lot of treats for the for the cat in that short span of time. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they only had a few hours to film in the Coliseum, they had to film and choreograph the fight scene over a three-day period on a set built to look like the Coliseum in the Golden Harvest Studios. Now, watching this film, I I honestly and maybe uh, you know maybe this could say more about me than about their filmmaking, but I I couldn't tell until I, once you actually. Fought, what I told it's a set then you mm. can't see anything else but the, the actual <laughs> that it's a set but they did a good job because i thought that was actually the coliseum there mm. yeah no i agree i mean to be fair for uh the the time period as well like all of these these films like the, the fist of fury as well like the when we mentioned it the cinematography it was um it's pretty good especially for back then as well yeah and bruce's direct directorial debut as well i mean very very good yeah, definitely got some good camera work in, in this film, I thought. Yeah, and, and Bruce as well, showing his skills as a producer, having to like problem solve like around these different issues. I mean, it's yeah, just such a shame that he didn't live to make more films because for his first go as being a producer, having to deal with all of this, I mean, it's very impressive. Bruce asked Chuck Norris to gain £20 for the film so he would become more formidable and it would also make him look less defined next to bruce lee and also slow him down so allegedly it's, it's cool though <laughs> is he going for the realism isn't he like the real like because that that makes sense doesn't it like i even because that's what happens when we get into the fight scene is that's what happens you get slowed down and he um he does he does look a bit flabby as well so fair play putting on 20 pounds of him i mean you do that don't you but for but you don't mean to do that like it's accidental it's just a Pepsi. It's just a Pepsi, Pepsi. yeah. The yeah. diabetes. The diabetes. And the I, I guess and the old omelets and the pizzas. The dry pasta. Dry pasta. No sauce. No sauce. But I bet you could, yeah, I guess you could say Bruce Lee made Chuck Norris uh, a bigger star in more ways than one. Putting him over. Putting him over. 
I'm as going I say over, that, brother. Filling up the Pepsi as well, yeah. I'll put Pepsi on your mind then, didn't I? He did, he did. Um, so, yeah, the fight scene was a philosophical demonstration of Jeet Kune Do as Bruce had to adapt his fight style to suit the situation and not get stuck in a classical style as we see basically as the fight plays out when Chuck Norris has the has Bruce's number so Bruce has to change his fighting style to to combat that and Bruce took inspiration from the fight scene between Muhammad Ali and Cleveland William in 1966 in which Muhammad Ali shuffled around the ring throwing Cleveland William off his game and then when Muhammad Ali had him uh, tired out and, and had his number, uh, Muhammad Ali demolished him. And I've watched that fight, and, and it is pretty similar. Like, the, all, the way Bruce was, like, you know, jumping round light on his feet, that is basically what Muhammad Ali did for most of the fight. So you can definitely see the inspiration there. That's cool, man. It's just madness, isn't it, to think that these two were around at, like, the exact same time as well. Yeah, I, I wish I've, I've I've tried to see if they ever met or anything, mm. or like Muhammad Ali ever talked about Bruce Lee, but I can't find anything. But uh, oh, if only, surely I have to though. Surely I imagine someone... there was immense amounts of respect there for each other. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Muhammad Ali and Ric Flair, they 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 went on tour together. So. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, they did that collision in career thing. You know, they 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 were in a. They probably they must have met on that tour. Yeah. But surely, surely Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali must have run into each other somewhere. Come on, someone provide me with that information. You got a picture together as well, didn't you? And uh, one of the next episodes of the new season of Dark Side of the Ring is going to be covering that uh, that tour, WCW Ooh. North Korea. So that should be a good one. Oof, that'll be quality. That'll be quality. So they filmed in Rome for 12 days, and apparently the shot where Chuck Norris got off the plane was actually filmed when Chuck Norris for real actually arrived on the plane coming into Rome, and the camera crew was just set up there, and they basically just stole the shot on the fly, like a bit of guerrilla filmmaking there. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Realism, yeah. isn't it? Like, clearly he's trying to go for... With Bruce films, there was a realistic nature to them. I think that's why they, they translated so well. Yeah, and also probably just they didn't have the budget to like properly like organize it right. Every like have like a proper like. <laughs> She's saying Bruce just he couldn't be asked. He was like, oh okay, let's just grab it here. Well, probably didn't have the means. Like probably didn't have the means to like because it's a really cool looking shot. But it, it seems like uh yeah something that like because if if they were to proper set it up, you'd need to hire like crew to like say all right everyone hold back all right going for a retake so they probably didn't have like the, the resources to do that so they had to shoot it on the fly so it's, it's good though it turned out well so um when they returned to hong kong on the 18th of may 1972 reporters asked bruce lee how much this movie would make as the big boss made three million hong kong dollars at the time and Fist of Fury would go on to make about four million Hong Kong dollars at the time. And Bruce held up five fingers to indicate uh, five years, <laughs> uh, just 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 to mock me, but also to indicate that it would make five million dollars, uh, five million Hong Kong dollars. Uh, when reporters asked Bruce if he had a fight scene with Chuck Norris, Bruce smiled and said, 
did you think we would make love? <laughs> Everyone burst out laughing. Uh, however, a few reporters were offended and this marked the end of the honeymoon period with Bruce that he enjoyed with the press. And, uh, and what, fuck off, really? Just because of that comment? Just because of that comment, yeah. I mean, uh, some some people couldn't take a joke. I mean, that that's my God. Okay, now Bruce think... wouldn't couldn't hack it in this uh, this this cancel culture age, could he? Exactly. I, I think it is because of um like you know Bruce picking up like just just like when I visualise that in my head, Bruce comes off as quite cool and relaxed, and I think that way a film star carrying himself that way was maybe a bit alien to mm. the Hong Kong viewing audience at the time. So yeah. people probably didn't take it as a joke, like, or people were probably just like, "Oh, he's being a bit arrogant," you know? Shock, they probably, yeah. Were, yeah. Whereas, culture shock, yeah. Culture shock, yeah. So you know, you, to be fair, though, I think you would pay to to see them make love in a scene. You'd rather see that, wouldn't you? Oh, mate, they'd be working some proper strong style, mate. That would be oh, oh, I'd pay to see that. Yeah. Oof. God, I wouldn't. Not with Chuck Norris's hairy chest. Oh, Maybe wax it. that chest, and then we'll have a discussion. I love a bit of hairy chest. If I was, if I was, I need to keep saying that. Because <laughs> you are just a walking hairy chest, you fucking bear. Are you the bear or the power bottom? Tell us now. Oh mate, I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the twink or the if I was the um, twonk or the twonk. Since the big boss Bruce had been challenged by so many people to fights that he was used to it, and when Chuck Norris arrived, he was challenged. And Bruce told Chuck to forget about it, um, that all the people challenging him just wanted publicity. However, Bob Wall gave a statement to the press, accepting any challenge on Chuck's behalf. He said since Chuck is a better fighter than him, that anyone who wanted to challenge Chuck had to fight him first to qualify to, to fight Chuck Norris. And also, Bob Wall said it would happen on TV so everyone could see. So on the 19th of May 1972, Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris and Bob Wall went on Enjoy Yourself Tonight, which was a Hong Kong Chinese uh, TV show, um, basically to, to answer a challenge for anyone who wanted to take them on. Uh, <laughs> no one showed up, so they just did a demonstration and an interview. But yeah, madness. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not surprised there were no takers, Like, let's be honest. Yeah, he called everyone's bluff. As I mentioned before, at this time, Bruce was at his happiest, you know, had control of his own films, setting up his own company. Shagging who he wants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Superstardom, a family, a mistress. He he had it all, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Lee apparently was uh, very good at directing. Uh, He was fair, he was firm, and he was fun. Um, He would tell dirty joke, and he would lively up a tense atmosphere on set. He would ask Andres Nelson, who played a thug in the film, to play his favourite song on guitar. His favourite song was Guantanamera, and Bruce would dance. And apparently... Sing it for us, Lou. (laughs) I'll put it in here. (laughs) It's it's a very famous, like, I think this might be like a traditional song. Like, it's my favourite version is by Celia Cruz. Um, uh, That song that goes, do-do-do, Guantanamera... Guantanamera, something, 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 something. Guantanamera, it's a great song. And uh, and yeah, one day apparently this Andres Nelson actually played it seventeen times. 
Um, so, yeah. no, <laughs> that's the torture. That fucking hell. I can't even. I can't even replay one song like one time. Like I, I get bored of after one listen. Like Christ. But do, do you reckon that he would be that per- Bruce Lee would be that person at the party? <laughs> he would just, <laughs> he would just, just go no, Evan Martin Garrick's again, like. <laughs> Definitely, and no one's going to argue with him because he's Bruce Lee. Right? All right, fine, fine. You'd have, you'd just have an aneurysm in the corner, wouldn't you? He'd be the geezer who shuts off the Kendrick and goes, "Nope, not let's put some <laughs> proper music on." <laughs> you know, the thing is, it sounds funny now, like you know, talking about this in hindsight. But imagine, is as you say, imagine how insufferable this must have been, yeah. like on the set. Imagine yeah. them going to Bruce Lee. Can you, can we can't stop playing it? No, no, play it again, mate. Uh, if you want more um, anything a similar story to this, then but we were gonna talk about it's when it's Christmas and you're in a shop or you work where, where I work anyway. Christmas song and the Christmas radio channels come on. It's it's and you have to go through that torture of December. It's it'll be like that. Or, or basically going into any club ever really. <laughs> or listening to most radio stations, even the ones like Gold and that, who, who play you know, oh we're going to play some classics play some Marvin Gaye, but it's the same fucking Marvin Gaye song all the time change up your fucking song selection For more info on this, listen to That's Why There Were Bollocks, songs that make you want to jump off a bridge and, Volume and, 1, Volume and, 2 is coming soon And attitudes towards music as well, yeah. we, uh, we feel very heavily about this <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll, well, the only person we're letting off would be Bruce, though. We wouldn't say a word to Bruce. No, yeah, Bruce. Good thing he's not alive, because uh, he wouldn't listen to them podcasts, isn't it? It's true, very true. Um, He also got his childhood friends, Robert Chin, uh, Unicorn Chan, as I mentioned before, and someone called Wu N-G-A-N, who was working for Bruce at his house as a manservant. He got... Uh, those people roles as waiters on the way of the dragon as well so you know it, it was very much like big you know he was bringing his friends with him you know bringing the old junior mafia clique with him uh, bruce also credited uni unicorn chan with the role of assistant fight choreographer to boost unicorn chan's career and set and uh, sent him money as well from america when um unicorn chan was in financial trouble so seems like mm. a good friends bruce i like that I like that what a geezer what a geezer what gives a geezer. back to his mates gives back to his uh bros before hoes and he's just he's just an opinion of that yeah lads before slags exactly yeah unicorn chan introduced bruce to run run shore as well when um bruce's hollywood career was struggling so you know unicorn chan repaid the favor as well so it's a two-way thing and um they were what they were what the chinese called lao l a o space g u a n x i um which basically meant old friends who were forever exchanging favors uh kind of like me and you geezer you could say you know yeah yeah how you doing, me old uh, loud geniacs? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe learn how to pronounce it, and we, we can start using it. Exactly, yeah. It may, maybe that is the Chinese pronunciation for geezer. Maybe there we that's go. What it is. Maybe discovered it. Yeah. That's one language down. I'm, I imagine Bruce and Unicorn Chan, if if it lived, they'd probably had their own podcast. Yeah. So Bruce went over schedule, missing the summer blockbuster season for The Way of the Dragon. 
and it also went 40% over budget. Uh, Bruce was also already in a lot of debt to Raymond Charles. Probably I mentioned that he had to get an advance to buy the car. I think he might have also had to do the same to, to buy the house as well. This meant that Bruce Lee had to make an advert. Yes, Bruce Lee actually made an advert. It was a Winston cigarette advert, and he had to make this to raise funds for the film. And uh, he ended up, in the end, just clipping together footage from The Way of the Dragon for the advert. But originally, he was going to be uh, actually shooting an original advert with Bolo Young, who was uh, a bodybuilder, I believe, a weightlifter, and also would go on to be in uh, Enter the Dragon. But in the end, no, they just, just ended up using footage from the way lazy of the dragon. Lazy bastards. That lazy, lazy fucker. Uh, the film was recorded on 35mm, uh, The Way of the Dragon, with no sound, and they had to dub the voices in. Um, they dubbed them in Cantonese, English and Mandarin. Uh, Hong Kong movies usually used canned music to keep costs down. So, like you know, previously uh, used music. And Bruce insisted on an original score for this film. And he also played a percussion instrument in one of the sessions on the song. So back, I think, in episode one, where you said, did Bruce Lee ever uh, make music? And I said, well, kind of. That, that This is what I mean. Yeah, so technically. <laughs> that's technically, his credit. That's his music credit. Technically, he was a musician, kind Cho- of. Chooses one of the <laughs> easiest instruments. Might as well just done the, use the triangle, let's be honest. He probably did. He probably just, just kicked it. He probably didn't even use his hands. He probably just... Probably the, the, one, <laughs> the one-inch triangle. The one-inch uh, triangle playing. He, he uh, yeah, but... I think another reason he did this was because, obviously, uh, Jimmy Wang Yu wrote, directed and starred in his own film. Bruce was doing the same. But just to have an edge, Bruce Lee, ah, I also did the music as well. So you see that competitive nature with Jimmy Wang Yu just wanting every opportunity to get one over on him. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is, isn't it? Exactly. Bruce also wanted to dub his performance for the English uh, version of the movie which uh, movie stars never wanted to do before and bruce apparently wasn't very good at dubbing because because dubbing you know it's his own it's its own skill itself yeah and it's, it's something that you know professionals are trained to do so they had professionals to do it in the end and a uh, voiceover artist ted thomas uh, let bruce instead dub the voice of the african-american henchman who threatens the chinese waiters in the restaurant um, it's interesting you were, because I was going to bring that up, because I watched, I had a quick uh, watch through Way of the Dragon with the uh, dubbed version, there's a, there's a version of it on YouTube, and I don't know, what what's your opinion on Kung Fu films when the, when the dubs, do you think it's corny, or do you do you think it's effective the way it's done? To be fair, I, I much prefer to um, to just have the original language and have the, yeah. uh, the subtitles. But I suppose even then, because I'm not recording audio, even those are dubbed. I think when it's when they're dubbed into Chinese, it's a lot better than English. Um, it's yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's 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 preferable, obviously, to do it with sound. And you see an Enter the Dragon, how much better it is when they do it with sound. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it, but it doesn't take me out of the film too much. What, what about yourself? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the version that I seen, it was a bit, it was a bit corny, definitely corny. But then. Some it depends on the film and depends on the dub, I think, because then you hear like you know all the classic martial art films and then you hear them get um, used in music and you know Wu Tang and all that. It really works then and it doesn't sound corny, but 
Um, from watching it here, uh, we'll, we'll discuss. It made me realise actually, Way of the Dragon is quite uh, humorous, you know, compared to Fist of Fury. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, the contrast between this film and Fist of Fury, like Fist of Fury is the darkest of dark of the Bruce Lee films, and this, yes, yeah, it is like a bit of a breath of fresh air actually. Yeah, it's a good point you mentioned that. Um, so now we get to the Way of the Dragon. film kicks off opening sequence i think really cool music this original score um what, mm. what do you make of the, of the score yeah i was i was thinking that yeah i actually really enjoyed it too uh so he he paid for it all himself then uh well yeah i suppose so yeah i mean he he's a uh, company concord uh productions yeah. yeah and yeah yeah no it was composed nicely wasn't it i think it um it sort of fit 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 in well with the theme of the film as well yeah, definitely. Um, I, it's, yeah, it's one of one of my Spotify playlists. It is a is a banger. There's <laughs> uh, a Bruce Lee Spotify playlist. Well, I need to follow this. No, well, no, I wish. Well, it might be actually no, but I just created my own playlist. I just bunged it on my my liked songs. It's, uh, it's good music to run to back when I uh, back when I did did some running, which I don't do anymore. So, uh, so anyway, Bruce what Lee. Times you did that. Yeah, a few times, a few times. It's you know, yeah. So the film opens, cool opening music. Good opening sequence as well. I quite like that. Uh, so Bruce Lee is waiting at an airport in Italy. Some old lady staring at him. Don't know why. Um, Bruce Lee scares a kid. Don't know why. Uh, he goes into a restaurant. Uh, he can't read the menu. So, you know, because I presume it's all in Italian. So he just points to some stuff and says, uh, oh, I'll get all of this, geezer. And uh, the waitress comes and he's basically ordered a load of different soups. That would have helped if this was a visual podcast, wouldn't it? You know, with all the names, you could have just pointed to the to the names to people who are watching. It's true, very true. Um, he get he he gets the soup down, you know, gulps it down, and the waitress seems to have to hump hump with him for some reason. I don't know why she's in a bad mood. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, he sees Nora meow, and uh, Bruce says to Nora, "Oh yeah, my old uncle uh, sent me to come over here." from the old hong kong to help you out said you need some help and then he asks uh oh uh, do you know where the bog is as well by the way and he goes <laughs> to the old toilet you know it's great I've, I've essentially got a lewis sanchez dub of this film so i've got it on <laughs> right now watching it on mute while lewis doing this uh, that's good if, if people want me to do that like d- 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 do a quick recap of the films of me dubbed in the dialogue let me know i'll, I'll be happy to. everyone would love to see that sansploitation <laughs> film we'll call it be like water me old son um we uh yeah so uh we see shots of bruce and nora driving through italy and she's telling him about the gangsters you know trying to get her to sell the restaurant and she don't want to sell it so so they get to nora's flat and uh bruce you know again he asked to use the bog so you see it's not just me with the toilet problems okay, now been eating <laughs> too much fiber or bruce clearly bruce might have been a fan of the pepsi as well you know god he would have he would have loved you actually like imagine all the toilet paper you could have supplied them with exactly exactly you know me and bruce 
being Bruce could have, yeah, we've got quite a bit in common. You know, in could have played London. a game of uh, battleships together, you know. <laughs> battleships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. It might have been through through eating those uh, those shakes with the burger meat as well. That uh, could have probably ain't doing him a intestines of fucked. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe that's what, another conspiracy. Maybe that's why he, he, he that may might have led to his uh, his death. Just the uh, odd bowel movements. I swear, if that's a conspiracy theory, there's no hope. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A few years before Elvis, with uh, Sally did the same thing. At this point in the film, Nora is uh, is just being rude to Bruce uh, when Bruce is trying to make conversation. I don't know why she's got the ump. Bit, with him, a bit but... of a bit of a bitch, really. Yeah, she. I don't, everyone seems to have the ump with Bruce. I don't know that the, the the waitress, the the old lady at the, the airport. She's uh, trying to have a nice time in Rome, you know, smoke a few, smoke a few dupes, chill out. Yeah, exactly. He's just he's just trying to he's just trying to. To, to use the bog, eat some food for the restaurant, have a nice time. Everyone's got the ump with him. Uh, they go to the bank and Bruce is suspicious of the bank manager when the bank manager tries to touch him. Uh, not in that way. Uh, they then, they, Bruce and Nora go to the town centre. They sit down and Nora says to Bruce, you know, you need to be more friendly. Talking about the bank manager, you know, saying when he touched you there it was just a greeting you know you need to be a bit more friendly with people and she says foreigners are friendly when they smile at you you should smile back when they put you, their arm around you you know you should reciprocate and uh, and it's interesting I, I listened to another podcast um, about this film and um just saying this this might have reflect reflected bruce's experience you know moving to america being a fish out of water and this this probably where he's got inspiration for for this in in the script you know him expressing um how it feels basically to be a foreigner in a new mm. land so it's yeah interesting then as after nora says you know you should reciprocate when someone puts their arm around you and shows you kindness and smiles at you um melissa longo then sits down by Oof. them Oof. Oh. and uh, she smiles at bruce i think you know he smiles back so then she puts her arm around bruce and he does the same. And um, it so happens that she takes him back to her room. And uh, hey, she gets naked, uh, apart from her underwear, apart from her uh, uh, knickers. And uh, and then he gets freaked out and, and he, he leaves. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't I don't know, like, why. Like, it, weird. Oh. I, it's just it's I I don't understand this I don't know why why did he just leave why did he freak out why did he just some people don't have the uh, the the schlong that you do maybe you got embarrassed who knows I don't know I don't know third leg Bruce I reckon he had a massive (laughs) one I I, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't understand um but also you know that that whole thing about you know the stereotype of um of Chinese people uh or maybe even Asians in general not being uh yeah. sexually active um you're not doing a lot to help that <laughs> no, stereotype exactly. if, if once you're scripting the film you also write this in i mean it just i, I don't mm. understand why this was in there but anyway if you uh if you want to get good by the way the boob scene she gets her boobs out nice nice pair of boobs it must oh, be said yeah uh, they're actually uh, this film's on youtube and uh, they, they kept that scene in so if you want a, a free youtube pair of boobs then then go out it's 19 minutes 22 seconds that's the the exact uh, exact time scrolling for you there 
Yes, mate. Yes, mate. We're, we're that is some valuable information. Might be a for that in the description <laughs> of the, uh, this podcast. Now, this is a question for you. Which boob scene do you rate more? This one or from the big boss when uh, that the woman, the Batista woman, gets her, uh, her breasts out? Oh, um, well, I mean, the, the the woman's got the one from Big Boss. She's got nice moves. She's like, she's going all over the place, isn't she? She's mm. she's shaking them. She's shaking them and that. Like, I mean, the Italian is is fitter. Don't get me wrong, nicer boobs, but she's not. There's not much movement going on, and there's less less on screen time. So for a scene, I'd go with the dancer. For a better pair of boobs, I'd go with the the Italian beauty. Yeah, I'd go with uh, the woman from the Big Boss as well. I, I think um, I I actually find her more attractive as well. Um, mm. And and she and she actually got to act a bit in it as well. So I I think yeah. Uh, apart from apart from the fact that she did technically rape Bruce Lee, uh, <laughs> Bruce Lee's character. That's his. not on. Anyway, so um yes, yeah, so Bruce Lee runs out of the room for some reason. Don't know why. He goes back to, and also at this point, no one's speaking Italian in this film. They're in Italy, no no one speak, spoke one word of Italian. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bruce goes back to Nora Meow's house, and Bruce meets Aquen, I believe that's how you pronounce it, A-H space Q-U-E-N. Easy one for you there. Yeah, there you go. It could, could be worse. Yeah, and, and he's a geezer who works at the restaurant. They then go to the restaurant and they meet Uncle Wang, who uh, I believe owns the restaurant, and he welcomes them. He talks about the gangsters who are scaring away the customers. Uh, Aquen then takes Bruce out to the back alley where Unicorn Chan is teaching the other waiters at the restaurant karate. Aquen talks about how they're learning karate to sort out these gangsters. Aquen says he'd prefer to learn kung fu instead of foreign martial arts. Bruce said style isn't important as long as you can use your body to its fullest extent. Even in the midst of battle, you can express yourself. So expressing his philosophy of of Jeet Kune Do there. Uh, The workers come over and they talk about kung fu and say that it lacks strength. You know, that they, they put Kung Fu down. Mm. And Bruce, again, says style isn't important and says any style lacks strength if you don't learn it right. They ask, how do you learn strength? And Bruce says, you have to become one with your body. Bruce is about to demonstrate his Kung Fu, but then Uncle Wang comes in and says, uh, oh, you, you've got customers, um, so you'll better get changed, you know, and get to work, geezers. So... Uh, no, imagine yeah. this poor old fella there trying to run his restaurants and he's like, where the, where the fuck is everybody? You have customers here. <laughs> Alas. They're all outside. They've all got to get chained into their... <laughs> yeah. Into their... So, yeah. Also, it's a lot of staff as well, by the way. They don't have to, if they're not having many customers, I mean, the overheads must be massive. <laughs> yeah. They have some money laundering going on. <laughs> Could be. Could be. So, but fair play to the boss, keeping him employed in these hard times, you know, not mm-hmm. furloughing, not furloughing his stuff. Very nice. <laughs> Bruce also asked to go to the bog again. See, not just me. He, he's, he's got tricky bows. He's been having a lot of uh, leafy greens before filming this one. Yeah, yeah. And, and just like me, when I'm on, on the bog and, and might miss something, Bruce mm-hmm. is on the bog and he misses the gangsters arriving. And the gangsters arrive, they make the customers in the restaurant leave. Still, no one speaking Italian, no one. 
the effeminate gangster Ho says that they have till tonight to think about their offer to buy the restaurant and slaps Uncle Wang. Um, then Bruce comes out of the bog and bumps into Ho. Ho tucks in his gi and pats him on the penis and then goes. Um, so, yeah, not good. Anyway, <laughs> so then we cut to night time and the waiters are saying that they're thankful that the gangsters didn't use uh, any guns and that they don't dare use guns in broad daylight. Uh, and they also disc Kung Fu some more. Then the gangsters arrive and uh, the waiters and everyone, they mistake them for customers until they start attacking the staff. And they're like, oh, shit, they're the gangsters. So the gangsters and the staff step outside and one of the gangsters takes out Unicorn Chan and then they, they disc Kung Fu. Bruce then steps up to fight one of them and tells Quen to explain this is Kung Fu. Um, basically, he speaks in Cantonese and Aquen, I think, translates. So, um, also, I should say, in this film, Bruce's character doesn't speak any English. Uh, so, Nora and the staff are looking sceptical, and Bruce gets into a really fancy fight stance. Then Bruce kicks the gangster in the back and tells him the sidekick is called the Golden Dragon Movement 4. Then says, Little Dragon seeks path. Then Roundhouse kicks him in the face, knocking him down and tells him it's called the Big Dragon Shakes His Tail. Really yeah, cool quite, scene. Yeah, proper. Looks like a badass, like straight off the bat here, doesn't he? Straight off the bat. And imagine so, how degra- degrading that must be if you're getting your ass kicked <laughs> while having it explained. <laughs> yeah. Like how it would be like if like... Conor McGregor's beating you up while commentating on his own fight. Yeah. It'd be like, shit, fuck me. You don't have to do this, mate. Well, just, The Rock's just... done that before, and he uh, started beating the shit out of him while he was wrestling on commentary. Exactly. It's exactly like that. Like, it's, it's like, don't you don't have to just, just beat me up, mate. You don't have yeah. to explain in detail <laughs> what's going on. So, so yeah, Bruce, now everyone's gone from sceptical to, to looking impressed. And, like, Nora's now looking impressed. And, Oof, and I think she's well, a bit more than that. Oh, yeah. Bit, 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 bit of moistness going on, I think. Bit of, mate, the humidity in, in that alleyway is... Oof. Oof, oof. And, uh, oh, mate, oh, it's a bit of dampness going on there. And, uh, and the gangsters, they're all shook. They're like, oh, shit. Because before, you know, as I said, they were making fun of Kung Fu. They're all jovial. Now they're all like, oh, fuck, what have we got? By the way, you know, like the main, uh, one of the main gangsters, the one with the red on, and uh, the one who basically uh, weirdly tried to bite the, bite him right. in the ribs. Um, the, the dub over of his voice is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Just like proper squeaky, like, I don't told you. Like dead squeaky, though. It's like, you, you know that fellow would not talk like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, so then Bruce takes out the se- uh, second gangster and then sits on him, just adding more insult to injury. Abuse, man. Just <laughs> abusing him. And it, uh, just looking like a t- fucking badass right there as well. Mm. Um, then, and not just because he's got a badass, because of all, all the tallest breaks. Hey. Um, so while Bruce. Did you get is... your um, wiping technique? Did you learn that from Bruce? I learned that from the Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off, you know. Wipe, uh. wipe on, wipe off, wipe <laughs> off. So while Bruce is sitting on this henchman that he's uh, taken out, two other 
of the gangsters try and approach him. And while Bruce is sitting on this gangster, he basically takes out these other two by getting one in a type of drop toe hold while on the ground, then doing the same to the other gangster, flipping him over. He then gets up and kicks one, sending him flying, then kicks another in the face. The waiters then crowd around Bruce and Uncle Wang says they should resolve this peacefully, you know. And the waiters are saying, nah, mate, we got Bruce on our side. Fuck doing this peacefully. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, yeah, basically now everyone's like, they've gone from like, who is this guy in here with his Kung Fu? And to basically everyone's like, Jesus, this guy is our, this guy's going to be our savior. He's going to help us. Uh, so he's, he's won pretty much all of them over. You know, what's interesting as well about this scene is how uh, the, the color um, themes, like the fact that everyone's wearing red, all the waiters and Bruce has got the black on. And then the uh, the 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 guy that owns it, um, the uncle, he's got white on. I think that's quite interesting. There's obviously something a, a bit more to that, isn't it? The blacks mm. to make make Bruce stand out as this this badass. And then the, I imagine the uncle and the white, he's because he's like you know he doesn't want any of this. Um, so he wants to be pure, and he? he just wants to be peace at peace. And that's why he's in white. And then the mm. red is assume, I assume that's for like because they're just bystanders, they're followers. Oh, interesting. No, I thought about it in that way. Very interesting, no. yeah. I just literally thought about that then. And I'm, I'm assuming that's the case because you see that in a lot of, you know, really good TV shows, really good films like Colour and The Wardrobe. It, it, it paints a picture of the scene more when you were, like Breaking Bad, for instance, that was a, a show that really hammered home Colour and Colour schemes um, to depict like a most different emotions in the show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so all of the waiters, you know, they're crowded around Bruce. They're all going, you know, this geezer is fucking amazing. And Nora, now she's she's turned on. Um, so, you know, setting an unrealistic expectation for men here, by the way. Um, so, you know, all, all you women going, oh, all this pressure on us in films to look nice. And This film is teaching you to get the attention of a female. You have to risk your life and single-handedly take out multiple gangsters in unarmed combat. <laughs> so, so fuck off with your all oh, unrealistic expectations. We deal with it too. So shut up. Anyway, um, Nora and Bruce go to uh, Nora's place, and uh, and yeah, she seems to have the horn. She seems to be, you know, oh, she. Would she you wants... after watching that, Jesus? Oh, mate, if I was. The next day, we then cut to the next day, and uh, Bruce is carving wooden darts. So Bruce and Nora then go to the restaurant and all the waiters there are impressed with Bruce's skill and they ask Bruce to show them, you know, the moves that he, he did. And, and Unicorn Chan, of course, who was uh, taken out by the gangsters, he doesn't like the attention that Bruce is getting. And as he was taken out by the gangsters before Bruce beat, beat them all up, he didn't see how good Bruce was. So he's just like, what's everyone going on about this guy? You know, he's saying, you know, how, how good is he? So they all go to the alleyway and two of the waiters hold pads and Bruce kicks one of the guy's pads a few times with some power. He then kicks the other guy so hard that he flies across the screen into a wall of cardboard boxes that collapse on him. And this is done in slow motion as well. He, 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 hit, he kicks him so hard that time itself slows down. Oof. It's, oof, oh. it's insane, that. It's insane. That, the, the, the bump, by the way, it kind of reminds me, you know, when you're in, 
in wrestling when there's like a parking lot brawl or like a street fight and they they take the most like just outrageous bump ever that would never hurt they go through like a cardboard box and they're selling it like death yeah but but if bruce is kicking you i mean i mean yeah i'd be hurt i'd be hurt i I could see why he'd pay like stuntmen's uh medical bills if he's doing that true even if you're on this comfortable bouncy castle and he kicks you i'm sure it would but it would hurt yeah yeah it depends what your tolerance of pain is i suppose as well um, i i don't have a very high tolerance so no. be, uh, you suffer from a uh, paper clips don't you that paper pa- clips paper cuts, paper paper cuts. <laughs> that's the one yeah the both of them mate yeah mm. Oof. Oof. so uh, after bruce has done this they're now all impressed with him and they say you know what we're gonna give up karate and they ask bruce you know can you teach me this old kung fu or, you know, teach me the way you fight, because Bruce is saying, you know, that style is not important. But, uh, but yeah, they basically say to Bruce, you know, Carl, teach us, mate, teach us. So next we cut to Bruce and Nora getting back to the apartment where they see a guy with a gun in the apartment. And the guy is speaking English and Nora has to translate for Bruce because he doesn't speak English. Uh, and the guy says that, his boss wants to see bruce um bruce throws a dart at him uh which makes the guy drop his gun bruce then beats him up with kicks and chucks the gun out the window which is a bit dangerous you know could have hit someone <laughs> on the head and so i'm not not very not very responsible um you know you don't you don't know who's below outside so you know don't be doing that oh never throw your uh, suitcase out the window either exactly mate yeah exactly he's flying right at me um and and then yeah so he chucks him out and then says to nora all right see you in the morning love uh, (laughs) yeah oh the beat down that he gives this fella jesus christ like the neck snaps and that he does and like he's just so quick like this film um i think with his fighting scenes for me is um you realize how much his quickness has really come on and he can just do things that you'd never thought were possible, really, and this scene really sums up. Just dismantles this guy within seconds, throws a dart through his hand, and then just starts giving him all sorts, snaps his neck, and and that's that. Goes and goes and puts the, the kettle on as a cupper. Definitely. I mean, I mean, here, I mean, Bruce obviously was in charge of his fight choreography on previous films, but here he's got like total control. So he probably like there's mm. advantages to being a director as well, where he can properly display how quick he is as well um and yeah it definitely comes across it in this film and and yeah so he says goodbye to nora and i don't know if his character's asexual or something because i mean <laughs> after doing that i mean it's, it's on the it's on the it's on a plate right there i mean <laughs> nora probably wants to she's probably ready and it's like come on mate what's what's going on here yeah you're just declining italian bombshell and an asian bombshell in the span of 20 minutes He's, he's, he's diffusing more bombs than 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 a person who diffuses a lot of bombs. I mean, it's just he's he's, he's diffusing more bombs than than a bomb than, disposal team. Than a bomb disposal team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I couldn't think of a of a punchline. Anyway, so at the mob boss's office, uh, we see the mob boss ask the henchman and Ho as well, who's also there, how one man can do all this, how one man can defeat all these gangsters. Uh, we then cut to a scene of Bruce shirtless working out on the balcony, and uh, you get a chance to see that body. Yeah, and, gotta uh, get your shirtless Bruce scene in the film. That's a must. 
Oh yeah, I mean he he knew who he's you know he knew that this was you know this was he was this was his version of uh, of of dropping dong. He's uh, he knew how to sell tickets. I mean this just looking at his body here, especially him stretching and working out, and you hear the click of all these muscles. Is like it's just oh that's impressive, very impressive. If I was getting all the flustered there, aren't you, Lou? Oh, I am, mate. I am, mate. Oh oh some more pepsi to cool myself down oh, run, out. <laughs> run out shit anyway <laughs> two liters uh down eh? you need to go and get another two liters down before bed i do mate i do so yeah we see bruce working out shirtless um and uh that quite quite an iconic scene in, in bruce's uh film career seeing him stretching and doing all of that you get to hear the sound that the air makes as he's you know do, yeah like, it out with kicks controlling his breathing as well while he's doing it as well that's another thing about Bruce C. taught was, was breath control that's why how he is able to do the stuff that he could do in such a short span of time is, is breath control and that's where the the psychology of it comes in and the philosophy as well the spiritual side yeah definitely and Nora makes him some food um so you know they eat, they eat the food then they go sightseeing and while they're sightseeing around Italy the mobsters are at the restaurant attacking the restaurant staff. Um, and Nora, you know, meanwhile, showing Bruce all the sights. Bruce doesn't seem impressed. Um, you know, saying, oh, what, what are you on about, mate? This is... What was, shit, this. This fuck, fucking shit, this. Fuck, fucking this, col- this, this Coliseum bollocks. This Coliseum bollocks. He was loaded stones. We got that back home. What do you want to... Leaning Tower of Pisa, mate. Someone fucking straight in it. Why are you... Why are you impressed about... I mean, surely that's been built wrong if it's leaning over. Fucking get it built right, mate. Why are you impressed by this? Do you think Bruce's character is like a bit on the spectrum in this film? Like, I don't know. <laughs> not wired. <laughs> right, is it? He said, like, girls put on the play for him. He's seeing all these historical tourist attractions and it's just not really asked, is he? Maybe it just has incredibly high standards. Maybe he's <laughs> just... He gets so much... Like, maybe he just gets so much attention that like he he like he, these women are too like they're unattractive to him maybe he can get even more more even better females and maybe he's like i've seen better sights than this i've, I've you know or maybe knows? he's just a bit confused and he's, he's just in the closet maybe yeah could, could be could be could be um so yeah bruce doesn't seem impressed uh so they go back to the restaurant and uh, they see mobsters attacking um, the waiters at gunpoint, and they um, they slap Bruce about a bit, and they give Bruce a plane ticket home, and 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 the mobsters they they hold him up at gunpoint. So three of the mobsters take Bruce out of the restaurant to the alleyway, and in the alleyway, Bruce Lee punches the one with the gun in the bollocks and uh, gets a big stick and attacks the other two. Um, the guy with the beard then goes back inside and tells his boss, and his boss says, says, go get him, but no guns, no guns. Um, which, I mean, it's a bit of a, like, poor excuse. Like, we don't, yeah. we don't want to, we don't want, we're not going to use guns because guns in broad daylight will attract too much attention. But it is it's handy that they do have a storyline excuse for why they they can't use guns because mm. that is a, a plot hole that that Bruce has he mentioned in the Pierre Burton interview where he wanted the warrior to be set back in like the 19th century because if it was set today then you know you could just use guns and and just shoot someone 
So mm. it's 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 good that it's there, but it's, it's, mm. I don't know. Couldn't you've had better reason for them not to use guns? Like mm. the reason in Enter the Dragon, like Mr. Han had um, uh, an assassination attempt, so he doesn't allow guns on the island. Now that's I think that's a better reason for no guns allowed in the script. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's much it, better. At least it wasn't quite WCW booking where you didn't say anything at all. <laughs> exactly yeah and then uh and then and then uh they uh they get they get, they get a fork taking the finish yeah <laughs> gun on a pole match so so yeah they say go out take care of bruce but no guns mate no guns no so guns, the rest of, no guns mate don't want any guns mate no nah, none of that so the rest of them go out there and about three or four of the mobsters then come out and bruce gets out a nunchuck and his, uh, his babies his favorite yeah, he's like the, the the weapon that we'd uh we'd seen in in the Fist of Fury, and here it's 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 on display again. Um, he loves so that then... wife beater nunchucks combination, doesn't he? That got to get the white vest on the wife beater. That's it, not it's not complete without without that on, is it? Yeah, he's in his he's full Dean Ambrose uh, cosplay here <laughs> as he's uh, getting out the nunchucks. So um so yeah, Bruce in the alleyway's got his nunchucks out there. And all of the mobsters, they come out and uh, Bruce then gets out another nunchuck. So he's got two nunchucks. Um, he then starts taking the mobsters out by whipping the nunchucks and then swinging them to distract the guys. He, he then he then goes down to one nunchuck and uh, two guys from behind try to attack him. So he like does, uh, I don't know if you call it a roundhouse or like a spin kick, but he, he kicks one of them before whipping the other one with the nunchucks then whipping another one he then takes out another guy who goes falling backwards into into some cardboard boxes the guy with the beards then pushes forward a guy with a knife who looks a bit terrified um i think this is really really great comedy there a bit of like you know really mm. good bit of physical comedy bruce lee then smiles at him and the guy with the knife lunges at bruce that Bruce then takes him out by delivering about four or five nunchuck hits. Another guy approaches Bruce. Uh, Bruce Lee leg kicks him, disarms him, and then hits him with the nunchucks, then kicks him. The bearded guy then pushes uh, two other guys forward, and Bruce takes them out as well. And then the bearded guy, he's the only one left. He's looking uh, He's looking a bit, bit shook, a bit like, ah, oh, fuck. Bruce disarms him, kicks him to the ground, then By the way, it, that second to last guy that he throws through in the grey uh, t-shirt, Jesus, he's the most least menacing person you've <laughs> ever seen in your life. Like that, that's a jobber right there. Like could have got someone a little bit more menacing looking. Yeah, I, I imagine he handed in his notice for for, for <laughs> that uh, that mob family that day. It's like fuck this, mate. I'm going. I'm going back to to working yeah. at Burger King, mate. Barry Hardwick was his hero. <laughs> so. Uh, Bruce, yeah, he, he disarms the guy with a beard, kicks him to the ground. Um, then the guy with a beard picks up some nunchucks from the floor, which I think probably were the nunchucks that Bruce had discarded. And it's clear the guy with a beard doesn't know how to use them or how to hold them. And uh, he tries to hit Bruce. Bruce faints. And this makes the bearded guy hit himself with his own nunchucks in the head. And then Bruce attacks him with the nunchucks. And um, I, I love this scene because it's a great balance of of comedy yeah. and and combat, and it's fantastic. Yeah. I think here's the best blend of of like comedy and martial arts 
probably outside of Jackie Chan that, that I've seen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not quite as comedic as I'd say Jackie Chan is it, but um, it's it's probably like seventy thirty, isn't it? Serious combat, and then there's like thirty percent humor. But it's um, it's balanced well, and like it's a step in the right direction from his previous films, where there was really no comedy at all. So you can see with the way with the way, and especially this scene that he really did want to incorporate comedy and humor in his films to be more entertaining. I imagine if he, if he would have lived as well. He probably could have had a career eventually doing a bit more comedy and he would have been similar to, say, a Jackie Chan. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and it's and also just in, in Hong Kong, like martial arts films in general, like having seen um like Come Drink With Me in 1966, they when they tried comedy in that film, it was painfully terrible. Mm-hmm. And and just seeing this just like a few years later, seven years, but still not that long later, but well, eight years, about eight years later still seeing this just leaps and bounds better like it's more subtle it's it works like not yeah. all of the comedy works in this film but but some of it i think is really good yeah it's just natural isn't it because uh bruce is a uh, he had that natural charm to him so i think that that translates well to the film definitely and and in in the uh the game of death for the bits they actually filmed he, he put co- the comedy in there i think went even another level and the uh, tragedy didn't get finished so bruce then walks into the restaurant and uh, the mobsters uh, get up with guns so bruce throws darts at their hands and so the mobsters with the guns drop their guns and uh, the restaurant staff the waiters then beat all the gangsters up bruce attacks a few with nunchucks throws some more darts at the other mobsters and then as the mob boss and ho are going to leave chucks the nunchucks at the mob boss's hand he then waves them down and bruce threatens the mob boss and asks ho to translate uh then after the mob boss leaves uh, some customers come in and you see bruce by the door lifts his leg ready to attack them and uncle wang has to say no no they're, they're customers bruce <laughs> so bruce you know changed the expression puts his foot down and welcomes them in and uh, again i thought that was really good comedy i like i like that really good Defo, I mean, I wouldn't enter the restaurant, though, if I was a customer at that point. No, I mean, I, I imagine I'd have given them a terrible review on TripAdvisor. <laughs> I mean, they almost got kicked in the head. There was blood and darts and nunchucks everywhere. What's going on almost. here, mate? <laughs> yeah. I've just yeah. passed a health inspection. Fuck me. So then they receive a death threat, and Uncle Wang tells Nora to tell Bruce, you know, keep your head down, and uh, I think Uncle Wang basically tells Bruce to leave and, and go back to Hong Kong. So we're back at Nora's apartment and Bruce is relaxing. It's night time and uh, Nora's saying to him, you know, mate, you, you should get out of it. You know, um, uh, you know, these mobsters, mate, they're, they're going to go after you. And we see a mobster on a building opposite him and he's got him in his sights. He's got like a sniper rifle and he's, you know, tensions building as he's got got the scope, you know, try to try to get Bruce and the mobster shoots and misses. So Bruce, you know, leaves Nora's apartment and goes outside. It seems to be daytime and then reaches the roof of the building where the shooter was. And now it's nighttime. How slow are you running, Bruce? It takes you that long. A whole day's passed. What's going on, mate? Hurry up. Anyway, Bruce Lee gets on the top of the building and throws a dart at the sniper's arse as the sniper tries to run off. Good aim. Good aim, mate. Yeah. Bruce Lee gets back to see Nora 
and uh, he sees that Nora's gone. Uh, he rings the operator on the phone and he gets out a card and tries to read out the number, but struggles with his English, which I think is another really bit of good comedy there. Like I, it's good skill to be able to blend comedy and drama so well. And I think Bruce does this quite well here. Yeah, it's it's quite uh, surprising in a way as well, considering, you know, the last films um, were quite serious. And it's a long cry from when he was doing the Green Hornet. And, you know, like, think of him then. He was quite, shy, you know, shy in a way. It was a bit like paint by the numbers in a way. And now, like like you say, he's come a long way. He's evolved. And now he's, he's to, to, to blend comedy and drama is the hardest thing to do successfully, especially. And he, and he, and he pulled it off. Exactly. Maybe one day Ricky Gervais will learn how to do it again. <laughs> this only falls at horses, Ricky Gervais. Fuck you. I mean, I, I like your early work, but fuck you. This only Why, falls at horses. You're not a fan of Afterlife. What did he did he diss only fools? Yeah, back back in the day, him and Stephen Merchant, they used to like talk like disparagingly about only fools and horses. I'm like, you you fucking wish you wrote something as good as only fools and horses. Like Office and extras were were they good? But they're not on the level of John Sullivan. Get fucked, right? <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. Lots of bit of respect now. Yeah. I mean, unless he wants to hire hire us, then then you know, I'll, yeah. we'll quick, I mean, quickly change our tune. Whatever. He's a, he's a miserable bastard. Let's be honest. Yeah. We can put it out there. He yeah. may, you know, he changed the game and all, and he's he is funny. I do like some stand up, but come he's on, stand up is still mis- good. Yeah, yeah, but you are a miserable bastard, mate. Yeah, his, his stand-up, I think, has always been quality, but his comedy work, Life's Too Short, fucking Derek, and now Afterlife, just off a fucking cliff. It's just, ugh, just fuck me, mate. What happened to him? Anyway, so then we cut to the mobster's office, and we see the mob boss has Nora in his office, and um, Nora is being threatened to sign the deal to sell the restaurant. Uh, Bruce then turns up at the mob boss's office with the other restaurant staff and Bruce Lee uh, lets the restaurant staff take out all of the gangsters there. Uh, Bruce Lee only takes out one by hitting him with uh, three pretty ferocious punches. Ah Quinn uh, then takes out one with the nunchucks and smiles at Bruce. It's quite a nice moment. Very nice. Yeah. But while while he's while Bruce is smiling, Bruce then gets punched in the face when he's not looking, which makes Bruce angry. Um, and then Bruce takes his top off. Uh, the mobsters start winning. One of the restaurant staff goes through a table. It's a pretty good spot, that. Pretty pretty good. Dud- mm. Dudley's would be proud of that. <laughs> che- cheers from an arena in a uh, Philadelphia start ringing out as as that happens. <laughs> And uh, then there's four remaining mobsters and Bruce takes out all four with one kick each. And then one stands and uh, he takes him out by kicking him with one leg kick quickly followed by another. Bruce then finishes off another two and the restaurant staff then get the upper hand. Um, Then there's one guy left and Bruce tells the guy who's left and who's standing by the door to leave. And then he jump kicks a light that's directly above him. Uh, which... Jesus, that must have hit like a motherfucker. Must have broke his foot, that. Has he oh, got a yeah. foot made of steel? Yeah, and, and, and you could definitely tell that it's like the way they shot it. That was him doing it. There's no stuntmen involved. Mm. That was Bruce doing it. And it's it like was a... Goldberg headbutted the uh, the locker that time. It was a real locker. <laughs> yeah, or put his, put his arm through the, uh, the limousine. Mm. 
but um limousine window um yeah and and this was of course bruce lee this was a spot that he'd done in the in the film marlow when he did a, a cameo in that film he jump kicked a light so he repeating the spot there great spot uh yeah and mm. and needless to say the guy leaves no having no part of bruce man i'm having no part of that mate. he's guessing he wouldn't be a fan of led lights would he no no mate no Imagine kicking that. them all over the gaff yeah yeah um so ho then uh comes out and bruce just stares at him and and ho stands aside uh, i think again another bit of good visual comedy uh bruce walks over to the mob boss and shoulder bumps him into the chair and starts to threaten him but, but nora says you know he can't understand you mate so bruce clenches his fists and points uh points at him to make his point and uh <laughs> again i think it's another bit another nice uh, funny scene and then yeah so basically bruce gets his point across using visual um just visually just threatening him with his clenched fists and pointing and uh, then they leave and ho then tries to cheer up the mob boss and says uh, do unto others as you as you would have them do unto you and the mob boss he, he doesn't seem to agree uh, ho then says uh, he knows two fighters from different styles but doesn't know if they'll get on because because they have two different styles and ho says he also knows an american fighter called colt and ho calls him america's best and uh, the mob boss says, yeah, get him over here, mate. Let's get him to sort Bruce out. So then we cut to the restaurant staff at the restaurant celebrating Chinese New Year. Um, Bruce gets a letter from his uncle saying he wants Bruce to help some other geezers somewhere else. And, you know, Bruce seems a bit, bit upset by this. Uh, Ho then arrives and invites them to dinner the next day. Um, you know, kind of like a peace offering. Mm. and uh they're a bit skeptical but you know try these new year new new year's resolutions you know, who knows it could be all right we then cut to that shot earlier of colt arriving off the plane colt mm. looking really well dressed of course colt being played by chuck norris and to, and again to be fair to him man he does have a bit of style doesn't he i'm not going to disagree with that Oh yeah, and just just the way he stands, his stance, he just comes across as like an imposing. Like mm. you could tell he's a big deal. Like he that his imposing threat just comes across just by standing yeah. on that. So plane. he's got his ginger hair really matches his outfit. He's got this really like brown sort of shirt going on with these like brown pants, and then his glasses are brown and his hair is like gingery brown. So uh, fair play to his his uh, style, styling and profiling. Yeah, he's not only got an impressive fighting style, you know, he's got press- impressive uh, fashion style as well. Mm. Yeah. Something um, you don't have, unfortunately. Two things I don't have, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. What about the masturbation style? Now, there's a there's a now conversation they can have. Oh, mate, yeah. yeah. I mean, no question there. Well, then we cut to the mobster's office and the two fighters that ho was talking about uh who have different styles of fighting um one of them is being played by bob wall uh then colt arrives in the office and we see bob wall is colt's student so bob wall you know he, he bows and, and treats uh colt with respect the mob boss then says colt will fight bruce and the other fighter says he wants to fight bruce and that no one can do japanese karate better than the japanese 
Um, so Colt and this fighter, they have a fight and Colt takes care of him easy. And uh, it's a good way of like establishing how good Colt is, that he is going to be a match for Bruce. He's going to be like, he's a level above these other mobsters and these henchmen. So mm. I like that. It's good. Yeah, I like that little monkey flip he does as well. Basically, remind me a bit of RVD there. He like yeah. monkey flips them over on Ian and starts punching his head in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting good, good star rating for that in, in that encounter. <laughs> yeah. Um, not yeah. quite in Tokyo Dome, so it's only four and a half. Exactly. Yeah, he lo- he lost the star on the played over. That's <laughs> uh, Bruce, Uncle Wang, and the restaurant staff then turn up at the restaurant, and Ho says. Uh, he'll take them to meet his boss. And what happens is Ho drives them in a car, um, which I think is actually Bruce's car in real life. It's and... a piece of shit, though, isn't it? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Jesus, Bruce. You buy it's, this it... fucking mansion and you can't afford a new car? It, it's one of the cars. I, I'm, I can't remember which one it is, but it is one of the cars that Bru- that's Bruce's. But yeah, so, so Ho drives them in this car and uh, they arrive. Uh, and there were six people in that car, so that can't have been that can't have been a pleasant journey. So uh, that must have been a bit cramped. Yeah, so Brisby uh, hotbox and that's a shit, wouldn't he? <laughs> exactly, mate. Him and him and be real. Imagine their interview together. Oh, the smoke box. <laughs> smoke box, mate. Oh. So, so yeah, then they they arrive basically in this like kind of like field sort of this open field and uh, Ho hides behind the tree and Bob Wall and this Japanese fighter are dressed up in white geese uh, which is bad attire if you're fighting on this dirt surface you're going to proper get them dirty so I don't don't recommend wearing white that day but anyway oh, hopefully they've got some uh, decent version of Vanish get rid of that, them stains I hope they have some Sinit Bang handy somewhere um, You'd like some silly bangers, oh, wouldn't you? Mate, I'd, I'd love some. I just, just love, love, love some bangers. <laughs> just love some bang, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, as we see here, Bruce is is wearing uh, black, um, which in contrast to to the guy's geese is actually bad for bright sunlight. So mm. so no one's no one's dressed appropriately here. What what's going on? No, he must be sweating his balls off. What would you do then? Would you have him? Would you just turn up naked then, or would, what colour would you would you suggest? Oh, I'd uh, I, I'd probably be um in whatever colour me me, me slazingers are probably mm. a bit of dark blue, and dark uh, blue, and then your uh, with your shoes with your flip flippers shoes on as well. And yeah. Your, um, and then about four let four five layers maybe probably five layers wouldn't it? Jumper. Oh. Jumper t-shirt, coat, and then an, uh, another jumper. Yeah, and some gloves, and some gloves. Going, of course. Yeah. So the the free restaurant staff say that they can handle Bob Wall and this other fighter. Uh, they go to fight them, but they get destroyed. So Bruce Lee then steps up and takes on Bob Wall. Uh, he roundhouses him to the floor. Um, then when Bob Wall stands up, uh, he keeps kicking Bob's hand. Um, he does a quick feint like he's going to kick Bob's hand, but pulls back and kicks his face in one motion. Um, proper quick. Oof. Yeah, Oof. that looks painful. Yeah. Bob then goes for him and Bruce uh, rings his arm and from behind kicks him, kicks him and then punches him a few times, then goes after him with a series of kicks as Bob Wall 
goes back like a fencer. Bob then comes for him and Bruce blocks all of his shots while moving back, also sort of like a fencer. Bob, by this point, is exhausted and he goes to kick Bruce and then Bruce ducks and kicks him in the bollocks. Bruce then puts his hands up to block Colt's punch. But before Bob can hit him, uh, Bruce pulls back and ducks and grabs his leg and throws him to the ground, then punches him in the bollocks. Boss takedown, by the way, I was thinking um, when watching this, he uh, shows off a bit of his, his takedowns as well there. So people have, uh, you know, grappling, people are into grappling and MMA and that's our aspect side of it. Yeah, there. Yeah, you'd be proud of Bruce with a nice little takedown here. Yeah, it's probably where that old uh, Gene LaBelle and uh, probably some something he taught him as well, possibly. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. Bruce then fights the Japanese fighter. Bruce ducks his kick and then lifts him up into a backbreaker. Bruce then hits him with a series of kicks, one of them making him flip in the air. Bruce then hits him with two more uh, quick kicks um, and uh, and this Japanese fighter is struggling to get up and Bruce wags his finger like he should stay down and uh, and yeah he, 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 he leaves it basically the Japanese fighter and uh, and yeah the guy's destroyed he, his gi's all dirty not, not, never going to get them stains out <laughs> no and, best to just throw them away I think yeah best best to just buy a new pair then when when the Japanese guy stands up the other restaurant staff go over and and attack him and uh, <laughs> and Bruce sort of makes like sort of sort of saying to the restaurants like leave him he's finished but <laughs> the restaurant staff don't pay attention to Bruce and they just go, go and continue to attack the Japanese guy and you see Bruce kind of like look like goodness sake. <laughs> and uh, I, I like that as again like yeah. good he's good 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 comedic actor Bruce I think he gets better as the film goes on as well. Mm. Does timing's good, isn't it? It's all about timing, and he's got, he's got that down to a T. Yeah, and I think like the language barrier that he he has with uh, you know when he's coming to America has pro- probably made him enhance his uh, his facials and his his visual acting. Uh, as we saw in the way how he could convey emotion so well and sadness with his face, he could also like convey like sarcasm and like bereft bereft as well with his face yeah. so well. do you think that's why he had his character not speak english was it for the comedic side of it the comedic aspect the fact that you know they could they could be running gags and a little bit of joke jokiness towards it as well uh it could be i didn't, I didn't think about it that way i mean that would yeah that would it'd be that would make a lot of sense if he did and I, I also think possibly it's just to establish him as like the fish out of water you know mm-hmm. new new lands new language so ho tells bruce to follow him and uncle wang tells bruce oh go out go after ho um you know go get that ho and uh he says get them hoes go get them ho and uh he says oh jimmy and tony you know two of two of the waiters they can uh take care of the japanese fighter which is, is which is quite weird that all of these other like chinese characters have chinese names and and these two just sound like they come from the Sopranos, Jimmy and Tony. It's very very <laughs> weird. You know what? If if, we're, if only all these characters were called that, it'd make your life a bit easier, wouldn't it? It would do actually, yeah. Um. So Bruce then leaves and he runs after Ho. And while Bruce is gone, Uncle Wang stabs the restaurant staff. One of the restaurant staff 
asks, why'd you do this, mate? Why'd you do this? And uh, we get a shot from his perspective. And Uncle Wang says, blame Bruce. I wanted to sell the restaurant so I could have money to clothe and feed myself and, and take it easy and take care of my old family. And he says that working men have no future. And the camera blurs basically to portray that he dies. Uh, it's a really cool way to show that. And uh, and maybe, a, you know, it's a bit of like a bit of satire as well. Bruce working in there. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of about the class struggle as well. This film, uh, which I, I really like. So Bruce runs after Ho and he arrives at the Coliseum and he sees Colt standing on the opposite side of the Coliseum up high. And Colt gives him a thumbs down sign like like the like the uh, the the emperor would do in Roman times when, you know, he wanted to feed geezers to the lions or, or Batista would do when he <laughs> deliver the uh, Batista bomb. And uh, and Bruce signals him to come over. And I've got to say that they those two geezers must have some great eyesight if they can see <laughs> other geezers Excuse hand me. movements. From yeah. across the other side of the fucking Coliseum. Yeah. They wouldn't they need to have, have gone to a Specsavers, would they? Exactly. They must have had some, some powerful vision. So uh, we get some nice shots of uh, of Bruce running through the Coliseum to find Colt as, as Ho shouts at him. And, you know, when Ho shouts at him, it echoes. Bruce Lee sees this cat. You know, they have a bit of mutual respect as you know the cat comes out and bruce they don't want any part of the cat he, yeah man what, what better way to get you up for the, the fight of your life than to, to start stroking a little cat oh mate it'd it make me inspired mm. um but but yeah bruce don't want any part of the cat i, I imagine that cat must be like a ferocious fighter if even bruce oh. don't want to take him on he, he must he must know g g cat though g cat though mate yeah <laughs> So Bruce, yeah, don't want any part of the cat, so he keeps running. And he eventually finds Chuck Norris, and Bruce and Chuck Norris warm up. They both get bare-chested, because, mm. you know, if I was. The difference yeah. in um, in build and um, chest, so, you know, Bruce is a smooth body, bare-chested. I'm more into that, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not a fan of Chuck's hairy chest. I'm not a big hairy chest guy. Sorry to break to you, Louis. Um, he's, he's, oh. I think he needs a good wax or a shave there. It's um, just the sweat, the sweat glands alone, the sweat glands alone. No, no, me. no, Chuck, don't listen to him. You're perfect as you are, mate. Get more hair, get more hair. I think it's it's good though. I think you could see Bruce's thinking possibly with like telling Chuck to pack on a, an extra twenty pounds, because because Chuck is you know he's impressive, but like shirtless next to Bruce Lee, who's probably got some of the best definition that that probably anyone ever has it, mm. it it makes him stand out even more it's like if you get a supermodel and put them next to someone who's slightly lesser like lesser less attractive it makes the supermodel even more attractive it's like that bruce he seems even more like stands out even more as like whoa you've seen this geezer Oof. Mm. Oof. 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 if i was so what tabs you're getting up after this one well during during mate so uh, so yeah then we see the cat the cat appears and uh, and that cat he's so fast that in one shot he's in between the two of them on the ground then the next shot he's actually on the ledge mm. i mean oh, i mean truly he had cat like reflexes it's madness <laughs> um and uh, we see we see the cat stretching and bruce you know copies this cat's stretching technique 
and uh, Bruce stretches down with his head touching his feet. Oof, if I was that flexible, oh, that'd be nice if I could stretch down. And... Well, at least you've got the hair, so there's a starting point. Yeah, but over those five years, to be able to bend the way Bruce does would be a would be handy. <sighs> anyway, so uh, yeah. But Bruce is, again, sort of expressing his philosophy of taking influence from, from everywhere, you know, sees a cat stretching, like, oh, it seems like a good stretch, I could take a bit from that <laughs> geezer. So here we go, probably one of the most iconic fights in cinema history, Bruce and Colt, a.k.a. Chuck Norris, I'm just going to call him Chuck Norris, fuck it, yeah. uh, the two fighters stare at each other as they walk is they walk towards each other in the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, one of the most famous arenas of combat throughout history. Or oh, the the set of of that. Yeah, yeah, well, a set in 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 China that's meant meant to look like the Colosseum. <laughs> it's one of them. Like before, I was just so immersed in the fight, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell. And then when someone told me, you, when you you can you can see this basically a painting like behind them. There's basically just like a like a painted backdrop of the yeah. rest of the Colosseum. Um, it's done does quite it ruin, well, though. Does it ruin the experience for you? No, I'm even more... I'm, I'm impressed by the filmmaking, to be fair, mm-hmm. to be able to pull that off. I think they've done a good job there. Prop, props to the to the props, basically. Props to the props. Props to the props. So, um, so the two fighters stare at each other. They walk towards each other, and they both go to an area where they have more space, and uh, the cat seems to be acting as part of the referee... As he meows at them, and then uh, then they basically start start fighting. Or better, ref the underneath than a cat. Exactly. I think this might be actually the first ever cat call. That that might be where that uh, comes from. So um, <laughs> so yeah, so the cat calls for them to uh, to to stand and um, to engage. So they go towards each other. Bruce tries to kick Chuck, but Chuck blocks it then comes towards Bruce with kicks. Bruce blocks them. And then Bruce comes towards Chuck, who blocks his kicks and gives a facial expression of surprise, as he can feel how much power Bruce has. Bruce then tries to kick him again, and Chuck blocks it, then ducks, then delivers a roundhouse to Bruce and knocks Bruce to the ground. Bruce is taken out. Bruce then gets up and comes towards Chuck and tries to attack him, but Chuck blocks him then hits him with an arm takeover and takes him down to the ground. Bruce then blocks Chuck's punch while he's on the ground and with one hand pulls a handful of Chuck's chest hair. And See? Then... <laughs> Should have shaved that shit. Hold it, Chuck. What are you playing at? Mate, that's why wrestlers always always hairless, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and fighters as well. I mean, you you're know. at a disadvantage, mate. Come on. Exactly, mate. Get some Vaseline on yourself as well. So um, that's just a personal thing, if I was. <laughs> Um, and so yeah, Bruce he, he gets he gets the the hair and blows it away. Um, e- so again, good good bit of good bit of, of comedy in this scene as well. Yeah. Bruce Bruce then comes towards him and tries to attack Chuck, but Chuck blocks him and hits him with a kick to the stomach, then hits him with a series of punches to the face, and then hits him with a roundhouse kick that floors Bruce and wags his finger at Bruce, trying to trying to mm. ward. Bruce off. Yeah, and Bruce is like visibly bruised already at this point, which is uh, something which you know it's quite uncommon that he's he does he gets hurt like that physically. So uh, he, already it's it's showing the strength that, that Chuck has against him. 
definitely, yeah. Bruce, he's down in the fight and realises he needs to make a change. And this is where the music starts. Bruce stands up and then switches his stance to be more dancing around like Muhammad Ali. Bruce then goes for a kick, but stops as Chuck moves back. Then Bruce goes for an attack, but moves his hand up and then makes cat noises. Chuck and the cat seem to, to be confused. Then we get a wide angle as in slow motion, Chuck goes to attack him with a kick, a punch and a kick. And then two more kicks. Bruce blocks all of them. Ducks. Bruce blocks, ducks and then avoids as he dances around Chuck. Chuck's attacks are now landing as often as my jokes do last time I did stand up, which is not good. Chuck then Chuck then tries to hit Bruce with four more kicks, which Bruce blocks and then ducks as he dances around him again. Now he's done a full 360 around Chuck as they've switched positions on screen. Maybe how they've switched positions in this whole exchange and Bruce gets the upper hand. Bruce then goes to low punch, but pulls back, then moves backwards as Chuck tries to kick him. Chuck then takes a quick glance at Bruce's feet, which, you know, in, in football is, is a bad move. Don't you know when, when someone's dribbling past you, you're always told, look at the body, not the feet. And in fighting, maybe that's the same. Um, you know, when a player's doing their skills and you know, watch the way their body goes. Um, wonder if Ronaldo watched his film and was like, you know, inspired. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I could see that to be honest. I could see uh, Ronaldo clearly uh, is inspired by Bruce Lee. He wants to be the water. He wants to be the the little gel packs, you know, that they they, they have before the games now. Exactly. Exactly. Be the gel pack. Be the gel pack, like water me, old mate. So we then get a point of view shot from Chuck's perspective. That's Bruce class, King. by the way. I love yeah. it. That's an insane bit of uh, cinematography. I feel sort of groundbreaking in a in a way, in a way, and really makes you feel the ferocity of Bruce's kicks and and the power you can get into them. Yeah, and very much of the time as well in the early seventies to have that like shaky camera, like mm. close shaky camera shots as well. Also, as well, filming outside in like a city like Rome is very much like uh, it fits in with other films of like of the late 60s and the 70s, like, you know, like The Great Escape, The Italian Job, mm. and, uh, like, films like The French Connection and what have you. It's it's sort of like a similar setting to those. So it's it's very, you know, it's, it's it shows Bruce maybe trying to fit in with, like, the American cinema. Um, but, yeah, back, back to the fight. So we then get a point-of-view shot from Chuck's perspective as Bruce kicks towards him. Then in the two-shot, Chuck tries to kick Bruce and Bruce ducks then tries to kick Chuck and Chuck blocks. Bruce then hits him with a leg kick and Chuck takes a look at Bruce's feet. Bruce then kicks him in the face and then goes to kick low with one leg, which Bruce blocks. And then with his other leg, kicks him in the face in one motion. He then kicks Chuck in his midsection and then kicks him high, then goes for a high kick to knock Chuck to the ground. Then we get a wide shot of Chuck who comes towards him with a series of strikes, which Bruce blocks. Then Chuck stands up, and we get a wide shot of Chuck coming towards Bruce with a series of strikes, which Bruce blocks, and then delivers two leg kicks. He then blocks Chuck's punch, and then delivers one more leg kick, feints to go low with a leg kick, then delivers a high kick, knocking Chuck down. He then His footwork in this scene is incredible. Just that little, um, that flurry. Amazing. 
Oh, yeah. The speed and, and ferociousness is, is unreal. He then blocks some more of Chuck's punches, then punches him in the face. He then goes to punch him some more and Chuck blocks. Then Bruce gets him with a leg kick and then hits him with two more punches and a kick. Chuck then staggers back and Bruce hits him like he's hitting a training dummy at close range and hitting him so quickly. Then he kicks Chuck, who backs up towards the wall. Chuck then switches his stance to try and be more like Bruce as the music starts again. Then Chuck comes forward and tries to kick Bruce twice as Bruce blocks him and then comes forward and then punches him in the face. Then delivers more punches, following through with each one. The camera then switches to a point of view shot from Chuck's perspective and the camera blurs as his vision seems to be blurry. Chuck then stands up as the music gets more tense. Chuck can barely stand and goes towards Bruce. Bruce delivers a spinning floor kick, and I, I don't know what it's called, but a spinning floor kick. <laughs> then, then Chuck tries to attack Bruce with a series of punches, and Bruce blocks all of them. Then attacks Chuck again with a punch and a kick as Chuck staggers back. Then Chuck is up against the wall, and then we get a point of view shot as Bruce keeps punching Chuck. Chuck then tries to punch Bruce, and Bruce blocks it. It does the only move that I'd say looks unrealistic when he seems to sort of twist Chuck's arm sort of somehow. Mm. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird maneuver. Yeah. Like it's hard to describe what he does, but it's that, that the only bit I think that bit of overacting from It kind of looks like he does it himself really, doesn't it? Chuck yeah. does it to himself. Yeah. It, it's like if, if Jim Cornette was watching it, he'd, he'd be like, what is going on here? Like this is this, oh, this fucking, this goddamn sissy show, this, this, this circus, man, it's a circus. They don't know how to simulate real combat. I I can't do a good Jim Cornette expression, but uh, but but no no. Anyway, then Bruce delivers a leg kick to Chuck, and Chuck struggles to stand as his hand is now shaking. Chuck gets up and tries to kick Bruce, but falls over. He stands up and Bruce looks at his leg, and then looks at him, and Bruce shakes his head as if to say, "Leave it, son." just like he did to the fighter in the boss's office and to the Japanese fighter. But this time, Chuck, unlike those other opponents, doesn't heed Bruce's advice. He's going to fight to the end. We then get camera zooms to Chuck's face, to Bruce's face, to the cat's face. Who's, who's oh, still... the cat's just in awe, isn't he? Oh, he's 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 got to be he's got he's he's the guardian he's he's the referee you know he's making sure nothing nothing's out of order he's making sure everything's all right, and uh, and Chuck screams as he goes forward one last time with everything he has, but Bruce just has too much as Bruce gets him in a front face lock in a, in a kind of like a guillotine kind of hold as Chuck tries to punch him and Bruce squeezes and finishes him off squeezing the life out of him. And appearing to snap his neck, and and I don't know why he killed him. He could have just like sort of choked him out and then, then left. But but Bruce killed him for some reason. He had to kill him. <laughs> He's anyway. got to get his uh, his kills in. Remember from the uh, from Tista Fury. I mean, he was on a serial killing rampage there, so he hasn't really killed anyone in this film. So he, he's he's it's improving. Yeah, to be fair, he's improving. Yeah, just just one kill so far. It's mm. all right, yeah. But as Bruce is draining the life out of Chuck and squeezing him as he's killing him, you can see Bruce looking sad and you can see the regret on Bruce's face. They had to come to this. He tried to warn him, but Chuck wouldn't listen. So he did what he felt he had to do. And then 
He looks sad as Chuck lays there dead and Bruce picks up Chuck's gi and black belt and puts the gi and black belt over Chuck in a sign of respect as we get a sad version of the fiend playing with strings and uh what what a scene what an unbelievable scene mm, yeah amazing scene now probably the second best fighting scene would you say for me um oh yeah i think for anyone that wants to like learn about like like so with with all the other fighting scenes they're entertaining and it's good for the film and it's it's fun to watch but with this fighting scene, this is actual like technical like masterclass. If you want to learn how to fight and you want to brush up on your fighting skills, you can watch this, and you can watch this in the same way you'd watch an MMA fight and study it. It's in a similar vein. Um, both of them just just absolutely like, technical masters. Uh, the footwork from Bruce is just an insane. Uh, Chuck's power and his uh, the this the, you know the power that he that he gets and his punches and his um. It's precision, I'd say. Both of them just uh, masters at the at the craft, and uh, yeah, one of the best scenes in any of Bruce's films, hands down. Yeah, no doubt. Agree, agree with all of that, and it's also a great. If anyone wants to learn how to script a battle, not just the fight scene, but a battle of any kind, this is a prime example. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Accented Cinema, just to give them a shout out, but they do like a, an analysis of, of the perfect fight scene and use this like as an example um, and, and basically sort of saying, I mean, they explain it better than I'm going to, but uh, they say how like, a good fight scene should have like a status quo and then there should, you know, after the fight, there should be like a new status quo that, that is established. And uh, this this does this perfectly. Um, and That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a, a yeah, just a, a perfect fight, really. Yeah, you have like the struggle in there, but it's not like nothing's too over the top. It's, it's realistic, but it's you know at the same time you have the struggle a bit from Bruce, but not too much. And then you have the sign of respect at the end, um, as well. And then for, for any MMA purists, I'd say watch it because, like you said before, the end on the guillotine choke. So any purists out there, they'd love to watch that. There's a bit of grappling involved as well with um. With Chuck, um, when he does the uh, the take to take over, so there's yeah all, all sorts of um styles on show here. So yeah, gory way to see this, even if you don't watch the film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's probably what most people know the film by. Really, it's the it is um it's the it's the iconic thing from this film, and 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 yeah, the best scene from the film. I think you, yeah, you got to say it's yeah incredible. So we then see Bruce chasing Ho. Uh, as we get another version of the theme playing, which I think is quite nice as well. Um, and Ho runs runs off to where Uncle Wang is back in that field and tells Uncle Wang what's happened. And then Uncle Wang cuts himself as Ho runs off. And Bruce arrives and tells Ho to hold it. Ho stops and Uncle Wang says that he's been tricked as Bruce walks towards Ho. Uncle Wang picks up the knife and the boss then arrives, tries to shoot Bruce, but gets Ho. And he also tries to shoot him and hits Uncle Wang. And Bruce ducks behind the tree to avoid the shots. The boss then gets out of the car and tries to shoot Bruce as Bruce throws a dart at the boss as the police arrive and they arrest the boss. And uh, and perhaps it's playing off the previous two films where the police have come to arrest Bruce. Uh, this time they actually arrest the right person. They they arrest the uh, they arrest. Well, I, mean, I suppose they did arrest the right person in Bruce because he was a murderer in both mm. of those films as well. But um, 
but yeah, this time Bruce Bruce doesn't get done. So so maybe yeah, maybe yeah. he's playing off playing off the other two films. I also think it speaks to this character in this film, like the difference and the contrast. He's a bit more light-hearted in this film. He he is more comedic, like we've said. So I think it speaks to that as well. Yeah, and it's nice to see a Bruce Lee film actually like with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, the the police arrive. Um, and the police as well, they seem to be speaking English. I mean, no geezer fucking <laughs> speaks Italian in this. What's going on? <laughs> the entire film. The entire film. <sighs> Nora and Arquen arrive, um, and then we cut to all three of them, Bruce, Nora, and Arquen, at the cemetery, and Bruce says, oh, mate, you know, I've got to go. I've got to go back home. And uh, Nora says that she'll see him off, but Bruce uh, says, uh, Arquen uh has a car waiting um him and bruce and nora kind of hold hands bruce waves goodbye to arquen and walks off and then arquen says to nora wherever he goes in this dog eat dog world he'll be admired by all bruce then walks off as the credits roll um and i don't know how far away the car's parked uh, that, that he, <laughs> seems like a far walk <laughs> yeah i mean i, I would have parked the, the car a bit closer to be honest because he's i mean he must be knackered he's just taken out all of these geezers mm. and now he's got to walk fucking mm. miles for this car you could have been a bit more considerate oh, wonder he's shredded can you amount of, imagine the amount of calories he must burn yeah that might be his cardio for the day yeah <laughs> you know he must have done enough cardio though he had to chase no. home all that way as well to kill chuck norris to kill chuck norris oh, fuck me <laughs> But yeah, the uh, the credits roll, and uh, and that's the film there, The Way of the Dragon. Yeah, excellent. Uh, not as good as a film for me as Fist of Fury, but it does have uh, it does showcase Bruce's talents and obviously his directorial debut. He was great. Uh, his humour was good. His right, you know, the writing was was spot on. I just like how in these films, like back then, you know, you could have easily went the cliched route, but they never. You know the the writing was smart. It was subtle. It was um it, it was on point and it spoke to so so many people back then. And and yeah, both uh, a fight scene wise, I'd say it's probably one of his best fight scenes, maybe the best or potentially the second best one. But probably the most known fight scene he's ever done as well, and and for good reason. So for uh, yeah, film, I'd I'd probably say maybe the third best film he's done. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's um, I put this. Um, I'll probably put this. Actually, I put this behind Game of Death. If I consider Game of Death, I put this fourth. Um, I mean, if I, the Bruce's scenes from Game of Death, I should say. Um, but yeah, I agree agree with all of that. One of the most iconic fight scenes of all time, and and yeah, just great to see Bruce as a director, producer, and writer for the first time. Uh, great debut. Um, and such a shame that we didn't get to see him improve as he would have uh, done more projects. Uh, the film premiered on the 30th of December 1972 and would make over the five million Hong Kong dollars that Bruce Lee had said uh, it would make. And it would actually make, uh, according to Bruce Lee, A Life by Matthew Polly, it made uh Five million three hundred seven thousand Hong Kong dollars at the time, and that was over double what the Yellow Face Tiger made. Uh, the film by Lo Wei and Jimmy Wang Yu, which barely made two million Hong Kong dollars. So, needless uh, to say, 
Yeah, needless to say, Bruce Lee had the last laugh. Needless to say, Bruce Lee was Kanye in the end, and uh, yeah, he uh, he was 50. But what's also crazy is this film was on a budget of $130,000 US dollars, and the box office was $130 million US dollars. Mm. I imagine that's like by today's, I imagine that's like years after like the film's become popular after Bruce Lee's death and what have you. Yeah, sure, but like box office means box the box office, and it means paying to go to the cinema to see it, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, regardless, it did do them numbers, and that's just it's absolutely insane the reach that he had, and he was really now at the pinnacle of his career, at the pinnacle of his success. Would you say? And then, and it was only up from here, and then unfortunately, like this, this was the peak. This and the next film, which we'll discuss, obviously, in Enter the Dragon. So these two would be the films that he's most synonymous with. And uh, he deserved all the accolades, I would say. Yeah, I think that this marks a period of Bruce Lee's life where he's probably creatively um, and and just sort of success-wise, like the height the height of his powers. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there would still be great times to come, but we're getting closer and closer to 1973 uh, and closer and closer to the end. Mm. sadly but sad but bruce lee again putting on another great film and uh and thank you people thank you everyone for joining joining us the journey will continue but it's not got long left so we hope that you enjoyed it Uh, i really enjoyed this again to be honest uh just learning so much stuff on on the way while doing it uh you know having a laugh as well uh that's the main thing i'm really having a laugh with doing it with you, Lou, so, so thanks a lot. So, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to us, follow us on Spotify, download the podcast, Facebook, that's why they were quality, podcast, Instagram, that's why they were quality, um, and there's a website as well, that's why they were quality.com. So, Lou, why don't you roll us out and then you bumble the lot? Sorry, say that last bit again about the bumble and all that. <laughs> I said, why don't you roll us out with your Tinder Bumble grinder the lot? Well, I don't have grinder, but if I was, I, I would. But uh, but 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 Tinder, yeah, just Louis Sanchez. Um, I can't remember what my picture is. I think my picture now is 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 the podcast logo actually. Um, <laughs> that is I, some fucking hella promoting. <laughs> I love it. Wait, I I actually do in the in the profile I have like um. Let me read out my Tinder profile. Give me one second. Oh yes, please. We'll talk talk about promotion. This is a uh, right <laughs> hardcore, hardcore mate. Right here we go. My profile. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, for God's sake! Hold on. Log in. Log in through Facebook. All right. All right. Stay with me, listeners. Uh, here we go. All right. No, you fuck it. All right. Here we go. No problem. Here we go. All right. There we go. So I've put in the opening line, uh, can I be the Jim to your Pam, not the Michael to your Jan? Uh, that's my first line. Uh, US office reference. And then I'll probably put, you'll probably get the best impression of me by listening to the start of my podcast. Uh, oh, I've got the SoundCloud link in there, actually. I need to put the Spotify link in there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've looked at these in a while. Yeah, that that just shows you how little action I've uh, I've got on there. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the difference, though, man. Someone looks at it and they're like, "What SoundCloud now? Now, Spotify? Oh, Spotify? Oh, he's oh, moved. Yeah. He's big. He's big time." 
oh mate you know you know you know what people say about a man with spotify oh oh now or or possibly then you know it could have just been you know they might they not might not find uh, find me attractive but but they could be like a, a famous producer and go oh shit this podcast is good I don't want his uh, his penis but I like his podcast. Look, and, uh, if we end up getting or put on a big platform making money through Tinder, then all is right with the world. Mate, Tinder OnlyFans, we're we're going for it all. Um, and and then I've also put underneath I'm the Londoner, uh, just so people know that I'm the Londoner. Um. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, we'll know within a minute of listening, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah. Um yeah, so so that's my Tinder and feel free to uh, to find me on there and find feel free to find me on uh, on on plenty of fish. Uh, just Luis Sanchez. Um yeah, I'll be the guy with the, the bags under his eyes. He, I look like a bit of a stoner. Mm, I'm not stoner, but not. I look like no, I'm not, but you Elite. know illegal uh, but but yeah anyway yeah thank you people for listening uh thank you very yep. much paddy for joining me on the journey it's been a pleasure as always yeah of course so yeah catch us next time when we talk about enter the dragon uh, yeah so yeah jo- join us as we uh we get to um you know the the summit and uh once you get to the summit there is only one way and sadly we follow that journey um so yeah join us next time for the bruce lee podcast that's why they're quality bruce lee podcast thanks very much